Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 14. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. It's a series finale. It's, a seri- it's serious. <laughs> it is. It's called Person to Person. Uh, what did you think of the final episode of Mad Men? I loved it. I loved it the first time I watched it. I have seen it a total of four times since then. Uh, my new career is exclusively watching Mad Men finales. Okay, that's a short career, but it it gave me everything that I wanted. Because remember, my big thing is I'd like I want to know that everyone is okay or could be okay. I like I might even said could be okay because that's what I felt like I got, and I I I got a lot of things I didn't know I wanted. Um, But yeah, I felt like that every single character could be okay. I don't know, and and I actually like the ambiguity they injected, not in a cut the black is my television off but just those final 10 minutes are so open to interpretation and it's it runs the gamut i've seen people unhappy with the finale i've seen people happy with the finale but think it's a very cynical depressing Uh uh-huh in i've seen people happy the finale and think it's uplifting and positive i'm kind of on that camp but i i'm a little more toward the cynical side myself i i I, the thing is is i (laughs) I haven't seen anyone's take where I'm just like, well, you're wrong. Yeah, that's stupid. Sure. And that's unusual. Like normally there's one or two people where like I might not say that's stupid or wrong, but I like, yeah, you that's you don't got a leg to stand on. I, I thought everyone yeah. had really good points and no one's wrong. And no one's right. I feel really bad for people that didn't like it, though, because I had such a ridiculous smile on my face for most of the episode, except for, you know, dramatically inappropriate times like <laughs> <laughs> like Betty dying Betty of cancer, dying yeah. cancer, the refrigerator man bawling about it being overlooked by his wife and children. Not Big fat smile on your Big, face. Big, so satisfied. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's, I'm there's, I'm really only taking the cynical approach in one character's regard. I think Don. the rest of them have fairly positive outcomes, in my opinion, um, at least in the moment. And I think that's that's a key determining factor in in where I stand is yeah. that in these moments that we see them for the final time. Most of these characters are happy. That's true. And, you know, 
we've got another week to talk about. You know, this might be something that ages for people. That I think it will. Be, you know, yeah. you come back and watch it multiple times. You might have a different appreciation. I got at least a couple emails of people initially kind of unsatisfied, but have grown to appreciate it. Yeah, I kind of felt that on my first watch. I was like, yeah. I don't quite get where we leave Don here. Hmm. Um, and I, and then on further viewing, I came to appreciate you know how open-ended that is Mm -hmm. and how you can interpret it in many different ways and i i feel like that is a good season finale or series finale it is it felt uh i was really high last off it last week and i remember saying that there's nothing that i think the show can do to disappoint me i'm a famously easy grader when it comes to mad men but i i love the show i love this uh the way it wrapped up i'm i'm really really happy with it Okay. Why don't you tell us who made it? It was written and directed, as it should be, by Matthew Weiner. Yeah, not too surprising. You wanted, just like Villigan before him, he wanted to personally be the one that brought it in for the landing, and I think he mm-hmm. stuck it. Okay. I think he stuck it. Well, let's get into the recap. We start okay. off with Don uh, sort of inexplicably driving a Camaro through the salt flats. You know, he has apparently been on the road getting up to stuff. Over the course of uh, the hiatus here from Getting into last adventures. episode of this one. Because we, we, we decided we were in early August, maybe late July of the previous episode, because they were talking about... Uh, well, actually, no. I think we were in, like, late August. Because Sally had gone so. back to school. Yeah, either way, there are a couple of months that transpire between the last episode and the end yeah. of this one. Maybe all of September, and we're some point in that to- October based on the pervasive Halloween decorations we see everywhere. Yeah, at the at the beginning. I know at the end we move into November. Yeah. Because Jones yep. got her calendar up. Yep. Um, but yeah, so he's somehow driving a Camaro on the salt flats. Doesn't really matter how. I, I loved his big sweaty face in the helmet. I love Don and Denim. <laughs> Don and the Denim jacket's yes. pretty good, yeah. I, that's the thing. I'm, like People cool said that. that he's square and like all, but man, I think... Don Draper throughout the episode, throughout the series, has embodied the old school cool. Yeah, like Don Frank that, Sinatra style. Don cool. Draper in any outfit that I've seen him in could conceivably sh- walk into some place in the 21st century and no one laugh at him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so he gets back to the garage and he gives him some advice on how to set this land speed record. You know, there could be a shimmy. I felt a little yep. weirdness up at 130. Yep. Um. I didn't realize he was this good of a mechanic. Like, he would help these guys set a land speed record. Yeah. Uh, they seem like dumbasses. Well, I mean... they're like, oh, lands- God, you guys, you know a shitload about this. A shimmy at one... Th- oh, man. Yeah. The, those land, land speed record people need to be really good to set a record. The thing is, I feel like those land speed records are kind of bogus and that there's so many classifications and, like... Okay. You set a... The fastest one in an a, SS a, Camaro. The fastest SS Camaro with... Uh, metallic flake gray paint <laughs> and a non-professional driver like <laughs> yeah uh-huh uh-huh you just have to qualify it so much right uh i don't know it it was a little weird to me but you know i, I rolled with it sure just like don did uh roger's getting his schedule from both of his secretaries which he's now back to two at this point um and then he sends one of them out of the room and tells meredith he's if you said that if, if you told me in season one that roger sterling would be going through secretaries two at a time. <laughs> this is I not would, how you thought it would go, no, right? Oh, I would not. <laughs> I would not have imagined it in that setting. You would no. have said, "Yeah, absolutely." Oh, so, yeah, is. hell yeah! Heart attack hadn't slowed him down at all. 
Uh, yeah, so he tells Meredith that he's got to let her go because he doesn't need two secretaries. Mm-hmm. Um, which secretary do you pick in that scenario? Meredith all the way. Meredith? I'm, I'm, Meredith? I think I am too. Meredith has put in an MVP season as far as secretaries. Yeah, if he needs someone to design his interior of his apartment, right? Boom! You have to get She's used more to than her. A secretary. You have to realize that you can't just say yeah. translate it to Pig Latin and she won't do it. But on the <laughs> other hand, how cool is it that she's translated his speech into Pig Latin? Kind of amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. So then we go to another relentlessly m- positive too. That's oh, the other yeah. thing you like about even Meredith. when she's fired, she's always lands you on know? her feet. Yeah. So we go to another meeting at McCann, and Peggy is disappointed about being take off, taken off of the Chevalier account. And despite Stan's protest, she goes to do something about it and insists that she have the account. Yep. And it works. Yep. She gets it. Stan's face and reaction to this, like, ah, uh, he doesn't he doesn't need distress in his life. <laughs> no. Stan, Stan Although he does. Really it turns out he does. Just, yeah, I mean, it, it works out for his, for his best uh, interest there. But Stan is really content with what he's doing at this point, you know? He is, I don't feel like he's coasting, but I feel like he's just settled in. He knows where he's at, he knows where he stands, and he likes it. He's good at his job. Yeah. He doesn't need to prove anything. Sure. He's got that beard, he can rock an ascot. What more does he need? And they set us up a little bit here for Pete um, leaving the company with uh, his replacement, Stu. Uh, Apparently... So, so was Peggy working for Pete? I guess probably she, okay. he was her. Well, he, he was her account man, yeah. which isn't the same as working with, but they're kind of like a unit, you know. Okay. He's the schmoozer. He he takes the requirements from the client and delivers them to the engineers. <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> damn it! What the hell is wrong with you people? Jimmy Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we see Don laying in bed with a hooker who's trying to steal his wallet. And he calls her out, and he gets his money back and his ring back. Uh, leaves her, gives her a twenty dollars tip, regardless. What's a twenty? I thought it was like a lot of money. Was it? I thought it was a couple. I guess twenty dollars is a lot of money. That's like that's a that's well, a fair profit. Eh, I don't know what. How much does hooker cost, man? Well, how much do you have to pay a hooker to sleep with Don Draper? True. There's also that. It's just all. It's all gravy. <laughs> yeah, twenty dollars <laughs> is a bonus. Yeah. No gravy uh, may be a poor choice of words, <laughs> but yeah. I can't I can't tell what the class of this hooker is. Is she high class? Is she low rent? Is she like I'd say she's He's out kind of in the middle of nowhere. She's in between. Like like you know, people talk about a Vegas tent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think she's like a high class New York she's hooker. She's not a lot lizard. But she's no, not like a, no. a high class escort. She's just yeah. uh she's a she's a girl out there hustling. Yeah. She's a hustler. Sure. So I felt like Don maybe could have given her a little more. But whatever. Um, well, I, he, I do after like, he did give her a twenty, he did give her a little more. Oh God, you're right. He does. So Joan gets can't to, forget the gratuity. <laughs> it was gratuitous. All it right, it was. It was. So Joan gets to her hotel room where Richard's waiting with cocaine. Just boom. Here's some cocaine. Let's both try it, and they do. Just when I thought Richard couldn't get any more seventies. <laughs> He snorts cocaine off of Joan's fingernail. By hey, God, that man is yeah. a magnificent 70s bastard. Yeah, I love it. Uh, he proposes that she move to California where they can spend their lives together or live their lives together. I don't know. It's it's not quite like a, he proposes, hey, let's make this a permanent sort yeah. of thing. It's more like, hey, we just tried cocaine and everything seems like a good idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
let's just do more of this, you yeah. know? Um, it's like, do you want to get married? Sure. Do we have to get married? Hell no. Hell no. no cocaine looks good on them. And yeah, and Joan is super happy in these scenes. Like, I gotta say, Joan is off the charts awesome uh, this whole episode. I haven't seen her look this good, be this happy, yeah, yeah. and be this confident in a long time. I'm with you. Since her I mean, rolled Ken... his sweaty walrus body off of her, <laughs> it's been at least that long since I've seen her this happy and content. Yeah, Ken understates it when he says, you know, you're looking good. No, she looks like a million fucking dollars. Yeah. It's... And well, that's probably about what she's worth. So yeah, I think so. It's it's actually appropriate. So then we go to Pete, um, not looking so good, but looking pretty happy. Uh, he visits Peggy in her office and gives her a cactus, uh, which Pete. is a real prick move. I got to say, it is no pun intended. Yep. Uh, he walks in ready for lunch, and uh, sorry, Harry walks in ready for lunch because he's always ready. Um, and he complains when Peggy doesn't want to go out with him. That's redundant. You could have just said Harry walks in. Yeah, it's lunchtime. Harry walks in. <laughs> Pete gives him some cookies and pushes him out the door before saying goodbye to Peggy. Yep. Uh, Harry, and, and giving Harry goes her, out eating a tin, tin of cookies by himself. Yeah, giving giving her a lot of support in the process here is Pete. Ah, oh, super cute. Uh, you know, creative director by 1980, and she's like, that sounds like a really long time, which is a decade. So I thought this, and I thought I might be crazy, and then I got an email or two that asked me the same question. Did you think that the cactus was a weird stand-in for Pete and Peggy's love child? No, that thought never crossed my mind. Like they're both what about the mean? same. He's like, I have a. I he goes, take this. I have a five-year-old, which is about how old their child would be. When she takes it, she holds it right there around her belly. Like, it's some kind of prickly seed tearing itself out of her uterus, like only a demonic peat child could be. (laughs) I'm adding a little bit of commentary, okay? No, that's the only only fair thing I've heard you say. (laughs) But no, and and he's like, when I come back, it better still be alive. I I know there was some people wanting them to kind of talk about that, and I wonder if this was a way Mm. that the wiener was playing with their expectations about how they would leave things. I did not get any of that. Okay. But sure. Well, it's just me and two emailers against the world. <laughs> Their dukes up. All right. If you had Lane Price on your side, maybe. What'd you think about Peggy's octopusy painting with the cats <laughs> placed, past, plastered all over it? I didn't see that. I were they first like stickers I just, or? Yeah, at first I just thought she had like catted it up, you know, like made it like feminine and like cute. Uh-huh. And then I realized they were all black cat Halloween cats, so it's like that was just a typical oh, thing. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah. No, she put like cardboard cutouts of cats that were like. But but putting what it looks like, it's like they're like cuddling the octopus's head. It was kind of adorable. Weird. Yeah. Okay. No, but I thought the cactus was a metaphor for their child. Um, I thought, I think, I think Molly Lambert on Grantland picked this up too, but there was a little Slaughterhouse Five um, action with uh, them mentioning Harry's, you know, being the Three Musketeers, okay. which is kind of a pejorative thing in that novel because like, there's this character who's a real dumbass that thought everyone else liked him and he the, he said that they were the three musketeers and then the first All chance right. they got they dumped them and abandoned them to the germans and okay yeah he got slaughtered they would totally do that with harry no nah, i think harry uh he was eating the tin of cookies pete took so long he was he was uh he, he called for the elevator the elevator opened it was just a shaft but he was eating but cookies. he was face deep into yeah. that tin and he fell 50 floors to his death <laughs> 
I love it. That's, that's the end of Harry Crane. That's how I choose to remember Harry Crane. Yep. Perfect. Uh, we go to Don, who's on the phone with Sally, and Sally is kind of trying to avoid telling him about Betty's cancer, um, or playing coy. Like she's she's doing something weird here until she finally tells him about it. She's bettying him. Yeah. This, again, you're I, right. I think it's interesting how well Kierna does a good mix of Don and Betty isms, mm-hmm. and like I'll hear on the phone. She's kind of very much Betty, but then later on in the season or the episode, rather, when Bobby's cautioning her that his mom, her mom won't like her not going to Madrid. She like rocks a Don troll face Uh as as her only response. So it's like it's really spooky how well she does with this stuff. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, She, you know, she tells Don about it. Don says he's coming home and instead she says, uh, no, actually, I'd like you to make sure that the kids stay with Henry. Because that's what they need. That kind of gets dropped. I mean, does that get dropped because Betty, because of the conversation that Betty and Don have later on? Well, it's interesting because what Sally was saying was, I want you to fight for, I want you to fight mom on the custody, but I want him to stay with Henry. I don't want him to go off with Uncle Bill. Yeah. And that all makes sense. And then. But it just gets dropped. It doesn't, Don never brings it up to Betty. Yeah, I mean, he tries. I mean, obviously, he's not swayed by Sally's argument. Uh, and what and the biggest surprise for me is as soon as Sally said this, I would have thought that my reaction would be outrage. No, Don needs to be there for his kids. But yeah, yeah. my reaction was that's about right. Uh-huh. Don has does not deserve to have sole custody of these children. Um, My best case scenario is he works out something to where if he can see his children every weekend for a year, then he can get like expanded custody. But I think it would be a very bad idea to just give these kids him in a moment of grief. I mean, he thinks he can do that, but he hasn't really, and maybe he can, Mm. but he hasn't demonstrated it. So I, one of my criteria for success is Dawn is there for his kids at the end. And he wasn't. But it didn't seem very negative because, again, I got a very strong opinion by watching Bobby and Sally interacting that these kids are going to be okay. Yeah, which is I was, what I, I was really in the same needed. boat. And I'm hoping that Don, you know, my positive take on this is Don hits this moment of low, and this is the time where he is going to finally change and be a better person. I've got some evidence that suggests that I think that's what the Wiener is trying to tell us happened. But. Yeah, no, I, okay. I, I, it made sense to me that this isn't something that Don wanted to hear, but he needed to hear it. You haven't been here yeah. for us. No, and no one else could tell him that, right? Yeah. Sally's the only one. And Henry's been a good man, and those kids do need stability during yeah. this trying time. So, No, I don't disagree with her at all. Um, so Don, right after that, calls Betty, and she tells him that she wants the kids to be in what she calls a normal environment. Um, which is at her brother's house. With by the way, we got two and, final classic Don what's in the last scene, like two for the price of one. I'm glad we got that. Okay, so uh, several what's in this episode, not just from Don. A true. lot from Peggy later on. But the Don's are classic. Like there's they a are, super yeah. cut, a really funny super cut of him just saying uh-huh. what on the toilet or after he just threw up. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, check it on YouTube if you just say like Don Draper what. It's like the first hit. Yeah, but it seems more like in this scene, Betty saying the normal thing is not having Don around. And that stings yeah. him so bad. But it's so true. He can't say anything about it because he knows no. it's true. Yep. He knows it's true. 
And so, I mean, instead of saying something about it, they both kind of have a moment of silence and they they have a cry together. He calls her Birdie one last time. The entire audience tears up, I think. Can, can and I then they say something? goodbye. Because we've talked a lot of times about the limits of January Jones's talents. Okay. And I've seen her in other things, not Mad Men, that led me to believe that she is kind of only good at playing this ice queen, this timeless beauty. But she was excellent on and i would just i i don't know one way or another but i feel like the phone scenes have got to be a special hell for an actor because they don't have anyone to play off of it's it's a solo performance it's a solo spotlight performance and she knocked it out of the park they both did i expected john ham to did she just raise her game for the finale here have we been overlooking what a good job she's done throughout the years what have I judged January Jones too harshly, Jim? It's a. Uh, they did 150 takes and they <laughs> cut and strung together the performance just right. No, uh, they got Andy Circus to do mocap, <laughs> and then they and they keyframe animated her face. Uh huh. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I I agree that in the past January Jones has not shown me much, but I can imagine that this was in a very emotional time. I, I think uh, I read an interview with. Uh, Don Draper, what is John Hamm, uh, where he was talking about those Don final Hamm. scenes and kind of the the outros for all these characters. Sure. And those phone scenes, they tried to arrange it so that they could be on the phone together oh. um, or that they were actually in the same room while filming and the other person would be reading lines from from the, the that line must of be chairs a big behind help. him. That must be a big Yeah, help. I can imagine that that was like a, just a very emotional, like personally emotional thing. So it's not like she even really had to act that's that true. Much, like right? was that her last day of filming i think so like those phone calls were all kind of the finales for these characters are going to be in the room together okay well that makes sense i could yeah. see this being kind of a once in a, a lifetime performance then because i could see just personally being emotional about this thing coming to an end yeah and just not even having to act yeah <laughs> yeah maybe that's it um so yeah they say goodbye for what's the final time there uh, Ken meets with Joan to ask her to use... She Han soloed him, too, at the end with the I know. Did she? Yeah. I thought he said I know. No, she he said Birdie, and she responded I know. And then she was uh, dipped into carbon okay. freezing pit. Controversial <laughs> cure for lung cancer, what? but... No, I mean, she's trying to preserve it's, her beauty. It's, a, you know? it's an early version of Alcor, the Alcor Foundation. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, her and... Uh, Started by C-Core, there surprisingly, you yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, just dip you in strong enough laxatives and yeah. preserved. Yeah. You've uh, never had a con- con- you've never been constipated until your guts are frozen with liquid <laughs> nitrogen. I tell you what, nothing. There's no movement. Nope. Uh Ken meets with Joan to ask her to use Should her Should we explain the fact that this is all cryogenic stuff or do we just make these jokes and move on? No, we make the jokes and we move okay, on. Okay, fine. If you, I mean you did just explain it, but I we're know. still going to act like we didn't and move on. Okay. I assume that you'll edit the podcast to to maintain the mystery. No, that's that's a big assumption. Okay. Ignorance is bliss, baby. Anyway. I'm not going to listen to this mess. Come on. So Ken meets with Joan to ask her to use his contacts or her contacts to help him create an industrial film for his department of Dow. Um, This is a... A fairly charming scene. I like this. Hell yeah, it is. You know, Ken's trying to get right to business. He's Plus, just like, I just wrote off the Rolodex. Yeah. Last, I poo-pooed the Rolodex last episode, there and I was is. so wrong. I misjudged the wiener a final time 
because he thought we he we thought that he thought that he'd forgotten it. Yeah, and he had so not forgotten it. Nope, it comes from, right back from this rock mass. She's going to build her production empire, or not? Who knows? Not. But she could. She's going to. Future be, is open. her future is secure, and so is little Kevin's. Yes, absolutely. Uh, anyway, so uh, I don't know what you want to say about that scene, but I think we can move on. Uh, it's just a, a nice little scene with some plot. What movement. did you think about Ken saying his kid? Eddie's a little weird. There might be something wrong with him. Was he just being funny? Yeah, I, okay. I thought so. I'm gonna have to remember that. Either like, that or like Eddie's got like Alzheimer's or something now. Yeah, yeah. No, every once in a while, like you know, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, people will like message me and want to know if I'll introduce because they're trying to get a job in Indianapolis, is a small town, and uh-huh. and they always start like, "Hey, how are you doing? How's things in Cincinnati? How's your kids?" Oh, fine, you know, and then it's like, oh, I need you to do blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah, I haven't heard from you in three years. I think I'm going to use this line. Anyone ask me about my kid, I'm going to be like, you know, he's a little weird. I think there's something wrong with him. Just to put him off guard, you know? Okay. I, Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to go with the angle where Ken doesn't even bother with the small talk. He just comes right in. So I've got this job. I like that. I prefer that. No, no, that's the thing. If you want something from me, just come. Don't try to butter me up. Yeah. I'm 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 butter resistant. <laughs> like Bobby's toast. <laughs> exactly. Uh anyway, I'm more pan-fried grilled cheese than than broiled. The uh Landspeed guys show up at Don's hotel room and they're looking for the steak money he, that he promised them apparently. Sure. He is that super gas drunk. going to pay for itself. No, no, it's not. You got to get the driver real drunk. He's uh he's a little scared. I was a little afraid that until I understood that they just wanted to stake money i was yeah. really weirded out that they were going to put him behind the wheel and i'm oh, like god. oh god that shimmy might be navigable at 130 <laughs> when you're sober but yeah even if they fix the shimmy it will be shimmying he's he's super drunk um he decides he's gonna go with them anyway and they can drop him in la sure uh i'm not sure when he kind of decided you know i'm gonna go see stephanie but that's obviously his next move somewhere between case number one and case number two i think okay uh, I think he was drinking hard liquor, though. No, he said he drank cases. beer all night. He wanted to switch to hard uh, liquor when he got to Stephanie's house. Okay. So the next day, Joan calls Peggy to set up a lunch date, and she tells her about the Dow script and asks her to write it. Peggy's a little resistant, but then she agrees because Joan's a friend, and, you know, that's a lot of money. 1200 bucks for a 10-page script. I'll take it. That's uh, <laughs> In just money? under $8,000 Oh, 10 shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As always, inflation calculators are fun. <laughs> Peggy is really funny. Like, I, it's almost a stand up routine. The whole, did you say hi to Ken for me? No, why would you say that? Like, she's so socially awkward and she's like uh-huh. doing color commentary on her own social awkwardness in real time. Yeah. Peggy Olson, hell of a woman. That man. feels pretty realistic. I, yeah. I see people doing that. Sure. Every no. once in a while. I do it ironically every once in a while. It's fun. Yeah. You know, if I'm with a person I know and I'm doing my classic Aaron bullshit, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> or if you're across from Harry Crane, you'll start doing it to him. Well, yeah, I, I, any 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 chance I could get to make Harry Crane feel uncomfortable, I'll take it. Has let me ask you this challenge into a sack off. <laughs> Has Harry Crane become a more ridiculous character you, to you than Pete Campbell? How do you feel about Harry Crane and how do you feel about Pete Campbell at this point? I, you know, I feel like I nailed this once. I like, cause Pete is grimy 
and and I described Harry with another adjective that I thought was right on, like sleazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it was greasy. Maybe from the greasy, White Castle, greasy, sleazy. There's something. Pete's got the refinement. Uh, he's he's got the blue blood that somehow gives him this tragic nobility, even as he's saying Jiminy Christmas and a thing like that and Hell's Bells and yeah. You know, the king ordered it. It 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 make he looks ridiculous, but there's always some kind of dignity to him. Whereas Harry, like like Pete Campbell is Playboy. Harry is hustler. Okay. I that's a good analogy. Yeah. I, I also think that Harry has stayed a shit to the end. Whereas Pete Campbell is definitely more personable and more at the end of this series is more willing to be nice to people. So I've got this conceit it's that weird. I, I want to run by you for the season wrap up where we judge characters on a you're okay or you're not okay scale. Okay. I think the difference is Pete, you can squint and think it might go terrible. That plane might go down, but he might he's looking like he's mostly okay. Yeah. Harry is in the not okay category for me. So yeah. Okay. But no, I... That's roughly how I feel, too. Yeah, Like, yeah. somehow, Harry has eclipsed Pete Campbell as the character that I like the least. Like, they're both fun to despise, but yeah. I have... Harry has much fewer redeeming qualities. Although, yeah. did you watch any of the extensive Mad Men marathoning was going on no, last I weekend? No, I watched a lot. In early season, Harry was arguably one of the nicer guys in the bullpen. I thought so too, yeah. But I felt like he somehow got this nice guys don't finish or finish last complex and went ran with that concept. Just wasn't fucking he ran like, with it. Wasn't he basically hanging out with Ken the whole time before that? You think Ken maybe corrupted him and then went in an opposite he passed, trajectory? He passed the asshole baton. Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. Ken's one of the, the good guys now. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. They've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. So Don shows up at Stephanie's house in L.A., and he tries to give her back the ring that Anna gave him, but she doesn't want it. She tells him that she's headed up the coast for some kind of retreat, and then he takes a nap. And it just like this mistaken thing, because Stephanie thinks he's there from her parents or somehow to make her yeah, feel guilty. Yeah, to guilt her about the kid. Which she, you know, like Don, doesn't need much help in that department. Yeah, she's tearing herself up about it. Yeah. Which we find out all about later. Yep. Um, we can find out all about Roger and Marie. This next scene. Lay, oh, yeah. Laying Solid in her hotel gold. bed. Uh, Marie says she went up to Canada and saw Emil, and then Roger gets angry because he thought she was going up there to divorce him, not to fraternize with him. And she makes a point about, you know, if when you, when you leave me, when this whole thing goes south, I'm going to be penniless on the streets. I need a little security here. You know, she's she's making a case sure. for why uh, Roger might not be the most reliable, and I think that's fair. It does escalate fast, though. It does, yeah. At one point, I think Marie killed someone with a trident. It's It, it, it got a little out of hand. Uh, and it, yeah. ends, it ends with Roger angrily wrapping himself up it. in the comforter and staggering out the door yep. with what little shreds of dignity had left. Great. Yeah. Great. John Slatterty, way, way, way underappreciated. Com- I mean, I think that's kind of weird because people's like, oh, yeah, he's the guy at the quip. He's the funniest thing about Mad Men. But the physical comedy is on point. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So Stephanie wakes Don up, tells him, you're coming with me on her retreat. Yeah, Don didn't get much good sleep, you know, on the couch. He would greatly prefer a coffin. It's really, really yeah. 
impacting his whole ability to properly sleep in the vampire position. Yeah, you know, at least with a coffin, you can get both your elbows out to the side. Yeah, when you're a tall man on a on a love seat, it's 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 just jackknife city. I know. I slept on a couch this weekend. It was no good. Yeah, and like you know, imagine being a, another eight inches taller, so you got yeah. more leverage. Sure, weighing you down. No good. Sally shows up at Castle Francistein, where Bobby is failing to make dinner. Bobby assumes she's there because Betty's gonna die, and she tells him, "No, that's that's not it," and then shows him how to make dinner. I love I love Bobby ordering Gene out of the kitchen and Gene's like feeble resistance. Like he's taking a baton from Sally. Sally's taking a baton from Betty. But but I mean, more important than that, it speaks. Yeah, that's it true. Speaks. I, mean, I forgot we... that, that we were having that debate about whether Pete's kids fucked up. And now yeah. uh, Ken threw his kid into the fucked up ring. And but no, no, Gene speaks. He can he's not a. He, he's he yeah but barely he might have I mean, problems he's don draper and betty yeah. betty francis's kid but he but he but he like he croaks it out too it's not <laughs> it's not a kid who's used to speaking yeah we'll say that you know the first Men podcast I ever listened to is called the Mad Men recap and mm. it was famous by his two brothers and one of them sounded exactly like john ham i thought it was awesome and they coined a lot of terms like uh, betty monster uh rapey pete uh, but they, they had this recurring joke that I never figured out where it came from about Gene being a warlock baby. Hmm. Like he was the evil, he was a bad seed somehow. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm, 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 I'm all nostalgic about Mad Men, and that was one of my first Mad Men fan experiences. Yeah. And I still, season seven, I think they've stopped doing it. They, they had yeah, some they technical problems last year and had some scheduling things, and it just they, it got away from them. They, they weren't one of the survivors, and... Yeah, I really wish if anyone knows why the Mad Men recap podcast used to refer to Gene as a warlock baby. Hmm. I, I between now and, and the season wrap up, I would be eternally in your debt if you could tell me that. After that, don't bother. After yeah, it's, after it's the, the, the ship has sailed. <laughs> All right, Don and Stephanie arrive at the retreat in the middle of the night, and they find their accommodations are communal. Don uh, criticizes the activities that are planned for the following day. As basically a bunch of hippie bullshit. I wrote that exact words are in my <laughs> bunch of hippie bullshit, word for word in my mine notes. Minus two. Also, she's got because a because it is. It's not. Yeah. It's not an unfair categorization. Other points are my notes. She has a very interesting smug Drew Barrymore thing going on with her face. <laughs> All right, I can see that. But we're supposed to be open to this, Jim. We're supposed to be open to no. the smug hippie no. Barrymore bullshit. Nope. Sorry, <laughs> not gonna happen. It is interesting to think about that this is a a direct reaction to the button-down oppression of the 50s and 60s, though. Yeah. What we call hippie bullshit is a pendulum swing, some would say too far, into the other direction. Okay. But this is the 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 societal X, the X-lax, the C-core laxative that, that society needed to get their emotional constipation dealt with. Yeah, and maybe if you... Depending on how you view the end of this episode, maybe it's just what Don needed too. You know, that other end of the spectrum kind of can meet in the middle somewhere mm-hmm. with his personality from the fifties and his personality now. I don't know. Uh, Roger returns his son to Joan after I guess a day out with him. Seemed yeah, it like seems it. like it. What do you say? You took him out the pancakes. Is that what he says? Okay, got his hand sticky. Yeah, and then he tells her that he's going to leave a good chunk of his money to their son. And he wanted to give her a heads up in case that would complicate any of her relationships. Sure. Joan thinks 
it's pretty hilarious when he tells her that he's marrying Marie. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, this whole scene is great. Like, she, what she says about uh, Greg. Yeah. No, he doesn't know. He's just a terrible person. Yeah. And he, he talks to Megan's mother, and she says that spectacular, what a mess, as she's laughing. It and is, and, and Slattery's got a great, you know, Roger's got a great view on it, too. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Nobody cares. It is funny. I, I agree. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous, but nobody cares. What do you think about him saying, or Joan saying, somebody finally got the timing right? Was that a way of them saying that maybe if our timing had been right, something could happen? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she just caught him in, in the wrong time, and if maybe they had come together now, it would be different. Maybe. But but it didn't seem like it was filled with regret at all. It was just like, no, you know, we're both where we are now, and I'm kind of happy for you, you know? Yeah, that's a, I think that's the best case scenario for ex-lovers, is that you can get to a place where you're happy with each other's successes. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Don and Stephanie go to the first activity of the day, which is basically to walk around the room, then stop, and communicate with the person next to you without talking. Mm-hmm. Most people get hugs, Don gets a shove. But... Does hugging feel honest, Jim? I don't know. I would like to start a podcast series. Hugging. I, don't know, I don't know what it's about, but I want to call it Does Hugging Feel Honest? Okay. It'll just be Mad Men recaps. Yeah. I wonder what we, like, it'd be interesting to have alternative, like, Mad Men podcast names. Maybe that's something we can brainstorm for next week's show. Like, if we didn't call it the happy hour, uh-huh. what would we have called it? Like, what are all the different know. inside jokes and stuff we could have spun uh, up? Yeah. Know, especially if we didn't care about any kind of, like, iTunes ranking or anything. I think there could be something interesting if you took someone who is very much into this kind of hippie bullshit culture, as we call mm-hmm. it, and had them review Mad Men, like, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Like, what would they make of Don in the late 50s, early 60s? They did the, a lot more crystals. <laughs> The linchpin. On, on the show, or? Just ev- everything could be solved with more crystals. Okay. The chakra is all, all off on the show. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. Um, Peggy and Joan meet for lunch. John, uh, what, Why did the old woman Don? shove Don? Because he wasn't even he, looking he, at her? I mean, he has his hands. Like, his posture is very closed. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I wonder if that isn't part of it. Like, she sees him in this this button-down shirt. He's uh He's standing in a stance that's very off-putting i I just felt like she reacted to his visible presence as a person who was stuck in you know the 50s after watching the show for four times and drinking a lot of whiskey i thought i've got this weird theory about every step of this therapy process is 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 prying his shell a little bit further open Mm -hmm. and i don't know how i think again i need i need a little bit more whiskey and maybe a couple more watches and thinking but i was trying to think like what it was not just his body language, but also the fact that he was more into what was going on there with Stephanie. Okay. Yeah, he's and looking over at her, and she's like, like not even make I'm she, here. She, yeah, like, I Pay need to, to I need to make a statement. I need I need to be uh, taken seriously as a human being. And, you know, I bet Don is asking himself that very same question. Why did she shove me? And as far as opening up his shell, that's what you've got to do, right? You Does gotta, shoving feel honest? I, I think so. I can see shoving Don Draper. Yeah. Uh, Peggy and Joan meeting for lunch. Joan gives her the check and, uh, for her work, says that she has more work on the table, ready to go. It's just and, the tip of the iceberg, Jim. Yeah. Just the tip. And she tells Peggy she wants to create a production company with the name Harris Olson. 
I squealed like a little girl. That would be pretty at this amazing. Point in the scene, yeah, like it was disgusting. Me and my girlfriend on the couch were just like, <laughs> you know, it's it's like the Ron Paul gif. It's happening, you know. Yeah, I uh, bet laser th- beams are coming out, and I bet this wasn't the only time you did that. No, yeah, this episode. Uh, There's good, another good scene call. that I'm guaranteeing. Good call. No, I, <laughs> there were kittens and rainbows. Yeah, and all sorts of. There unicorns. was Japanese emoticons in my eyes uh-huh. during this whole scene. You know, I for sure. Damn, I was so. And you know what? The fact that they didn't do it feels very authentic it does but i love the fact that they put it they flopped it out there onto the desk and had us deal with it yeah it was such again it's, it's super fan servicey and also extremely extremely authentic and when she says that you know we're gonna build something of our own we don't have to answer to anyone it was mm-hmm. just just awesome and the, the fact it's like look i can find another writer this partnership is just for you just awesome. Peggy desperately gulping Bloody Mary's so fucking awesome. <laughs> Here's a huge opportunity in front of me, potentially, but yeah. it, but it upsets so much of the stuff she's worked for, right? And you know, like I said, it feels more authentic that she would stay at McCann Erickson. I thought so too. But I don't know what was really the best choice for her. It's tough to say. Because the the one thing that I as much as fun as it would be to see like a spin-off of uh Harris Olsen. Mm-hmm. They have got a very kind of combustible personality mix. Absolutely. So you wonder what a partnership with them would be like. They have they have very different life experiences, you know? Um, that confrontation between them in the elevator, I think, is telling uh, to a large degree. I mean, Joan, Joan thinks, man, we can go do our own thing. You can be free of all the sexual harassment over at McCann. Peggy doesn't see as much of that as Joan saw. And I think that that is a lot of sexism, but it's not like I want to get in your pants sexism. It's like pat you on the head and go sell lipstick and tampons. It's a different vibe over there for her than it is for Joan. And I feel like that is one of the determining factors in her not being, you know, super eager to jump on this potential opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Joan is just like, I'm giving you the, uh, the greatest thing on earth on a silver platter here. Let's go do it. Right. Um, she she has a different look on it, and I, I think that's appropriate for their characters. Right. Uh, so we go back to a group meeting in the uh, the retreat here where Stephanie says that she feels like people are judging her, and she says that she doesn't want to take care of her baby, which causes a woman to chime in with her opinion. Like, this is how I feel. Oh, forget how you feel. Here's how I feel. Sure. Uh, seems a little selfish there. Um, she is sends... I mean, the point of this is for Stephanie to get out how she feels, right? I don't know what the point of this, because it just seemed like uh, just a, just a, I don't know, everyone pointing guns at each other and shooting. It's hippie bullshit run amok. Yeah, it, it felt, okay, so I guess a more apt thing to say here would be that it felt out of place for what I usually think of when I think of group therapy sessions. Okay. Like, judging is almost forbidden like you don't tell someone that you know how your statement makes me feel it makes me feel angry i know i don't know i've never been to a group therapy session but well, that seems like something that's here that's my opinion based huh. on media i guess well when you say your opinion it makes me feel like you're wrong <laughs> it uh, makes me feel like you're the biggest <laughs> dumbass on the feel planet like you're a giant asshole and you know i know it's 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 a fine line between judging someone and also saying, I think 
that you're making a mistake. And like this woman's ta- coming from a place where, you know, let's say she's, let's take her at her face value and she was abandoning it. That's a valid experience. Like you, the choice you're making to run away from your child is going to have a negative effect on that child. Is sure. it, is it, but ultimately if you can't be happy, then that's going to have a negative effect on your child as well. Okay. Like it's one of those things where there's not a lot of great solutions there and there's not a way to just, dis- I don't know that there's a way that you can dismiss your guilt. I, I thought it was really interesting in the same way that I thought it was interesting. Some of the stuff with Jesse Pinkman going to group therapy, like when you've done something that society considers something heinous, like mothers abandoning their children, a, a father mm-hmm. through negligence, accidentally killing his child, whatever. The, the, it's it's easy to say you're okay and you need to move forward when you've done something like broke your marriage vows or something. But but the worst you get on the scale of 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 bad things, the harder it must be to go on. Yeah, I imagine so. I mean, she runs out of this place and Don chases after her. And- like, let's say that you you're in prison for murdering ten people, and then you find Jesus, and you want to move on with your life. How do you how do you ever how do you ever love yourself again? I don't know. I'm not a murderer. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, I, I just Thank wonder. Me. I've never murdered anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, still you know you still you get you got time. You're right. You're right. I do. You got five, ten uh, years left at least. I have time in this podcast, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so Stephanie goes running out. Don followers follows her. Um, offers to move to L.A. and help her. He's like, he's he. I feel like he's trying to give her what she think he thinks she needs, and that that's not it. Um, he tells her like, put I'll put all this behind you. It'll get easier, and she doesn't think he's right about that. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. Don says some interesting things here. You don't know what happens to people when they believe in things. Um, I think he's trying to say that, uh, judgy girl was a, like a, some kind of Jesus freak or something. Oh yeah. Or, no. Or whatever the hippie bullshit equivalent of that is. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The, th- this is where I guess this stuff started to feel weird because it didn't feel like it was about Don. It felt like it was about Stephanie. Uh-huh. And I honestly don't care that much about Stephanie. Yeah. Um, especially in a finale episode. But it's also about Don, too. It is, but tangentially in, in this particular scene. And like her rejection of him is like, you're not my family. What's the matter with you? Like Don's attention yeah. towards Stephanie has always felt somehow inappropriate. Like outright inappropriate when they first met. Like, oh yeah. Jesus, is he Are going they to get is he going to seduce yeah. her to mm-hmm. like just borderline? If I save you, it somehow makes me a good person. Yeah, kind of inappropriate. Like a lot of his hopes and dreams and salvation relies. Well, I couldn't save the girl from Wisconsin, so I'm going to save the girl from California. Yeah, that I have a very tenuous relationship with. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's there is definitely something weird about their relationship. Um, but let's go over to Stan, who is about to leave. Um, but he stops into Peggy's office. She pours him a drink, tells him about the offer from Joan. And then Stan basically says, keep doing what you're doing. And Peggy says, no, gets angry at him, starts yelling at him. And he gets insulted and runs out of the room. It felt like an interesting parallel to Roger and Marie. Like the things that evolved and downward spiraled so fast hmm, okay that i felt like what what peggy wanted was to be talked out of it 
Um, but Stan was like, well, do whatever you want to do. And she was mad that he wasn't. No, I mean, Stan was like, you got a good thing here. Why are you going to go mess that up? But it turned, out to, be, it turned it out to be an indictment of his ambition more than the idea that was presented to Peggy. But and I think because so Peggy was all presenting positive aspects. I don't know. I could have my own thing. I could be my own boss. I could do whatever I want. And yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's just, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, but that's kind of secretly what she wanted to hear. She wanted the idea. I felt like that she wanted to be talked out of the idea. And he was just like not really super interested in doing that. He's like, well, you'd be good at anything, which is true. That's a way of dodging the question and having an opinion. I yeah, think it she gets really more wanted, complicated, I, though. I think she really wanted to hear him say, I want you to stay because I you, want you to might be, be right. You. Yeah, I think that's where it's more complicated, because later on, you know, she calls him up and apologizes and says, you're always right. Like, what? I'm, I'm sorry. I threw you out of my office. You're you're right about it. Yeah. You know, and then they profess their love for each other, all that stuff. Uh, I, I think it's definitely more complicated than just, she wants to be talked out of it. She kind of wants, you know, she wants him involved in it. Sure. Okay. In some way. I Uh, thought that was another possibility that he would be one of the, you know, Harris Olsen first hires. Yeah. Potentially. You can't have your, although I've said it out loud, you can't have a production company with the nickname of Ho. If it's started by two women, this is a bad idea, Joan. You're right. You're right. I it's hadn't a bad even idea. considered it. So what are you going to put? Stand up there, Rizzo. No, he's, it's Olsen whore? Harris, and it's going to oh. turn it into whore. It's, it's Olsen no Olsen Harris. Oh, oh, oh. This is a, bo- a boutique. Oh, oh. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't see it in this light. It's, okay. It's not ho. It's oh. So what do you make of Stan leaving and telling her there's more to life than work? Is that him hinting? Is that him I, saying, look, uh? we're here why are you throwing me out we're having a good time there's more to life than work uh we should hook up uh no i didn't get that i get more like just deep hurt deep hurting of her saying terrible things to him (laughs) she tends to do that and look at his face when he's like you know it's like he's wiping shit off uh, out out of his eyes like you know what i don't have to put up with this yeah Hmm. do you think he's broken up with the nurse at this point that's the one thing that's bugging me i think so yeah, I think so. That look when he gets back into bed with her and is realizes he's been a shit. He's heel. dissatisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Don's sleeping with Stephanie, or no? Whoa! He's not sleeping with Stephanie. He's... Although I was terrified, honestly, <laughs> that would have been a fault. I was like, oh god, god. No, he is sleeping. And check off blonde girl, and she's finally come home to roost in the finale. No, God, no. Uh, Don's sleeping. Stephanie comes into the room and gets into bed. What do you make of that? Very short scene there. Uh he was awake so obviously he's been kind of waiting up hoping she'll come back cuz i don't i don't know where she's been she said she was going to bed earlier but i think she got they, up and roamed i think they were setting up a parallel of the way she uses men and the way don uses women like that she is now hooked up with some rando and she's going to go on to the next one hmm. and abandon don there in the same way that he has done in so many ways to the people that he's loved and cared about okay they worry about that's him a lot that, to get from this very short. Scene. I know, but they worry about him, and the more intensely they worry and try to show concern, the further he runs away. Yeah, I, I just thought it was literally a way to move the plot along. Okay. Uh, anyway, Richard and Joan have breakfast in her apartment. Uh, Joan has to cancel her plans, or sorry, their plans, because she has a business meeting, and uh, Richard doesn't see room in Joan's life for himself and her new business. And it's clear that her mind is made up, so he wishes her luck. 
and he goes out the door. A lot of people saying, "What an asshole, Richard! He's so unsupportive." I cannot what? get on. I cannot get on that board. That train. No, I thought this was a very mature adult decision that he said. Without, I mean, of course he's disappointed. Of course he's hurt. Of course he doesn't. You know, but I think, and of course Joan is when he leaves. Like, you know, but he doesn't have like he's always been very upfront about what he wanted, and he's compromised and been flexible, but. He knows what it takes, the kind of tension it takes to to, to start something yeah. new and build it from scratch. He's done this. And he's in a different phase in his life. And if she wants to do that, then he's got no desire to do that with her. And I here's think that's an I entirely mean, fair thing to say. Yeah. I mean, his his line where he says, you act like this is happening to you, but you're making a choice is very telling. She, sure. she, she absolutely is making a choice. And he is He's too. also making a choice. It's not like he's this is completely rational in my opinion. No, everyone decides what and, what and is tell worth, me, what price of admission that they're willing to pay for a life experience. And he was willing to pay the price of having a young child involved and he's willing to pay to the New price York. to move to New York. But this, like, all that plus you're going to have all your time, I, you know, I, I get in. It's very rational. He wasn't cruel. He wasn't like, you know, I've seen Don, like, you know, call Megan a whore. When he's disappointed and he wants to, yeah. But he just said, "I, you know, it wasn't with a lot of mirth or warmth." But I wish you luck, Joan, and left out the door. And you uh, got to imagine that this is saving them a lot of heartbreak down yeah, the road. Yeah, yeah. You're only going to get more invested if this goes on. And he sees. I mean, he has he, the crystal ball here. He's he been through it all. He doesn't want to be rooting for the, the the her to fail so he can have yeah. the relationship he wants. That's not a good look on him. Exactly. I, I was surprised at how many people. I think it's a knee jerk reaction because we like Joan. We want Joan to be happy. But again, I felt like it was a very healthy adult decision that was derived at, and the way they both dealt with it was beautiful. I agree completely. Prepare for the hate mail, Aaron. Ah, well, bring it on. Don wakes up, and Stephanie isn't there. He goes outside where this. Oh. Who the fuck was on the phone, and what kind of goddamn miscreant lets a phone ring for five fucking minutes? It's back in the day. No, no. Uh, yeah, I lived back services. in that day. Once it rang like five, six times, you, unless someone was dying, you uh, you hang up and you try again later. No. What the actual fuck? I was like. It was killing me. <laughs> this was worse than Raylan and Ava and the baby screaming in a hotel. I, uh, I couldn't fucking believe how stressed out I was by the phone just ringing and ringing and ringing in the background. <laughs> Thank God for voicemail. I never have to listen yeah. to that for more than four rings. Jesus. It really yeah. bugged me. I'm not devising ways in my head that I could get a phone to ring in your house for a very long time. <laughs> I would burn the place down and move after the seventh ring, man. That's that's despicable. That's a cycle. She needs to fire that client. No client's worth that kind of the entitlement. Jeez. All right. I'm glad there, we, I said I'm, it. I'm glad we don't have clients in this business because they would all be gone by now. We have listeners, but they don't have easy access to a phone number. No. And also, they would only be able to ring at most four times. Yep. Anyway, Don wakes up. Stephanie's not there. He goes outside. There's a naked man who says she left an a-, a few hours ago. Don goes to the front desk to get a car uh, to try to leave. They tell him, you can't. You can't get one until the end of the week. My God, you're stuck in hippie hell. This is hippie hell. Hippies don't have phones. Right like, I, I, wasn't underst- I wasn't sure well, they of have the a problem. Phone. They don't have cars. Yeah, but do they have How taxis? do they get there? Yeah. Don is fucking rich. Like, okay, do I have a phone? I can call limo service. I will pay them $500 to come and get me. Done deal. Yeah. 
You would think so. A little bit contrived. The one, I, I mean, I said there's not a sour note, and, uh, you know, it took me four times to, for this to actually bug me. Also, the psychopath calling for five minutes, that was another sour note. But, mm-hmm. no, I, I felt like that this was a little bit stranded on a desert isle, but probably no good reason. I, I agree. It was a little silly. I mean, the not being able to hitch because of Charlie Manson, ha, ha, ha. That's the wiener. That, that makes troll, sense. I troll like that. face Matthew Weiner. Um, that's all good, but no, I, I, it's a little little contrived. Uh, what do you make of the line? People just come and go, and no one says goodbye. Well, people are free to come and go as they please, Jim. They are. Uh, there were there were a couple of goodbyes here in this uh, in this episode, that's and we just yeah. talked about one uh-huh. from uh, Joan. I mean, Don is obviously speaking about his life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he definitely says goodbye to Betty the yeah. end, at the end of their call. Well, I, I guess. I feel like they talk again. You think so? I mean, she I mean, tells she him, don't said, come home. Yeah, but she says, I'll talk to you later or something like that. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, and don't come home, don't rush home, don't do anything out of the ordinary. But I don't know. I feel like in the six months she has left to live that they talk a few more times. Okay. I don't Maybe think he so. gets custody of the kids. But, you know... They 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 have a special relationship. They do. And understand it's a weird one, but it's, it's a lot a of shared one. a lot of shared history. Yeah. One and of the because uh, I got random snippets of like I I felt like I I had this fortune of tuning into like the greatest moments of Mad Men. Like I got the uh, Bar- uh, Bobby Barrett episode where Don gave her the threatening finger bang. Uh, I got the episode where Betty stumbles into Don's box locked box of faked identity oh, you're and, talking about the marathon okay yeah the marathon and like you know i can't even remember where i was going with this <laughs> but that moment like you know when she found out that like his life was was all a lie like that's that's a unique thing between them like he came clean yeah. to megan from the beginning because of that experience that he learned with betty mm-hmm. that's the thing it's like it's not fair to say don never learns anything yeah because he did try to get out of the pattern of megan he just I think that's one of my core arguments of this finale and why I see it as optimistic because the all, thing that was always missing from Don is he never learned to love himself. Yeah. He was always fi- filling, finding something else to try to fill into that hole and it never did fit right. And I feel like him hugging this man and this, this, this group was literally him finding that self-love he needs. That's my theory anyway. But we're not quite there. So I, 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 sure. jumped, I jumped the therapy gun a little bit. A little bit, but yeah. I, I need I an old woman here to push me. Put me in my place. Uh, so Don calls up Peggy in the third and final phone call that he talked He talked to Sally already. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Don calls Peggy, who is angry at him for taking off, and she tells him, come back home. He says he can't because he's messed everything up. He did, you, did you get that, that that was a very husband-wife thing to say? Yeah. Come, you, you come or, home, Don. Or, or like a mother's thing to say. Mm. I mean, we've always kind of gone mm. there with Peggy and Don. Mm. Mm. Uh, that was a very motherly thing to say. Yeah. I was, at this point in the episode, I was still wondering if there was going to be a Peggy Don ship sailing. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, because like I said, that was just such a very housewife thing to say to him. Hmm. You've had enough fun. It's time to come home. You have a home to come to. Come home. That's a very weird come home. I feel like I recall Pete being told that or something a long time ago. Yeah. By Trudy. It's such a weird thing for Peggy to say to him, that exact phrasing. Yeah. I buy yeah. it because they do. They have, you know, speaking of special relationships, my God. Yeah, sure. 
uh, I, I, I again randomly tuned in, got the suitcase episode. Okay, wow. Like I was playing like fucking. Although to be fair, tune in jukebox to any roulette with it. That's true, and they're all good. Find an hour and tell me it's a shitty one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is the one that Betty shoots pigeons with a rifle and a cigarette hanging out of her lip. Uh-huh. Baddest, baddest ass moment of uh, her life. Yeah, yep. no, it's it's hard to find a bad one. Fair point, indeed. Uh, so he lists his sins off to Peggy and. Okay, would you say this is an official goodbye? Yeah, although I think that he does. I think Don goes back to McCann. I do too. Yeah, so so I'm sure they talk in the future. Very um, suicidal and scary. Yeah, Peggy very is very goodbye. worried about the, him not being alone. As was I. In no. fact, the fact that final 10 minutes of this fucking episode takes place on a cliff... <laughs> really had my yeah. uh fear for Don Draper meter. And I think that's see, that's the thing that's brilliant about the wiener, man, is I think he's aware of all those buttons that he's pushing. Like he's playing emotional uh minor chords the whole time. But he knows he's going to take it in this other way. But he knows what the expectations and the uh, things that are being talked about on the internet are, so he's he's deliberately using this to 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 have a more cathartic experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine that he doesn't tailor some of his stuff to specifically mislead red herrings and such. Uh, th- there's something she says here um, to Don that I think factors into how I view the final scene um, with the commercial. She says, I know you get sick of things and you run, but you can come home. Mm-hmm. Um, that combined with some other stuff that we've heard and will hear later in this episode uh, I just I just want you to keep that line in mind. Keeping it in mind. I'm keeping yeah. it in mind. And I love the, you know, again, the phone acting. Whew, but yeah. Don almost physically collapsed like a building being a controlled demolition. I was, I was worried about heart attack at that point. Yeah. Like, is the stress going to get to him? It seemed like he was him. having one, a very severe panic attack. Yeah. Uh, just getting through that, that conversation with Peggy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Peggy calls Stan, tells him, hey, I spoke with Don, and apologizes for what she said the previous day, and Stan confesses his love for her. And then Peggy goes, hmm. She thinks about it for a second. She's like, oh, yeah, I guess I love you, too. Uh, in, in what is a pretty awkward scene from her. Like, I think it's phenomenal acting. Peggy, the character, is just so awkward. Like, what did you say? What? 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 He says it, like, three times, and each time she's like... Am I, did I hear what I think I heard? Well, it, I mean, it's interesting because, like, even Stan says it. Like, when we first met and you, we thought about – I mean, I think we were covering this on the podcast. If not, we certainly were covering it in our pre-podcast couch chats about the Wiener's work and, and how we felt. that. I can't remember the season three, season four, but I remember thinking, like, Stan and what I thought about him and what Piggy was and, like, mm-hmm. Peggy – Threw it right back in his face. It's like, all right, let's take our clothes off and work. And yeah. like that was the start of the relationship and how antagonistic it was. But then it moved into this weird mutual support respect thing. And then they switched agencies and they had those long late night phone chats while they were. Yeah. Know, and it came out of the blue, but also was extremely natural. I completely agree. And also like Peggy says, like. Uh, the tip of the iceberg. I never know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like when she, this man declared her love, she went through that entire 
you know, SWOT analysis about whether this is a good thing and do I feel the same? And I never think uh, about you except for I always think it's like really awkwardly well played. And, you know, I it, also I was expecting towards the end Stan to walk in. Um, but then like when it was a beat too long and a beat too long and a beat too long and he just came sprinting and like barely, I thought it's so funny and oh God, I, I loved it. Yeah. I was, I had Japanese emoticons in my eyes on this scene too. Yeah, me too. So, so great. It's the best man. (laughs) And he's looking there when he smiles at her. It's, it's exactly like the goddamn Grizzly Adams gif that everybody, you've seen that one, right? Uh, which one? It's it looks it's the one that looks like Stan smiling, where he like you know it's it's a big bearded man and he looks up and he breaks out in a big grin as it zooms in on his face. It's all over the internet. Maybe, You're maybe on the I internet, aren't it. you? Uh, it's the Grizzly Adams gif. Yeah. Google Grizzly Adams gif. It's the first thing that you'll see. I'm right. I'm sure I stake my life on it. But he's he's magnificent. Yeah. Peggy is awesome. Uh, this is the moment I think everyone's been waiting for, right? Yeah, heart three sizes too big. I've pulled a pulled <laughs> to, total Grinch on this. Yeah. Uh, the, the other line in here that I want to talk about with Don, as it relates uh, to Don, yeah, yeah, is when they're talking about Don, and he's, Stan says he always does this and he always comes back. He's a survivor. He's going to be okay. And Peggy uh, says, you're always right. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I want to save that again. Keep that in mind. We'll I, talk about it at the end. That double. But this also factors into what I think about the ending of this same episode. Same here. Same here. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Don's sitting by the phone, and uh, a woman from the group session finds him, invites him to her seminar. When they get there, a guy in a blue sweater says that he feels like he's an item in the refrigerator that no one wants, uh, doesn't know how to love himself, all that stuff. Don, if I, Don totally identifies with this. And he goes over and hugs him when he starts crying. And they both cry together. I mean, this is Don seeing into himself. Yeah. Right? I mean, this Don... Don is giving this guy, like, who has finally recognized that he doesn't appreciate the love that he's being given, giving him love that he can't ignore. Yeah. And by by doing that, also giving himself love, so I don't know if you've got, got on the forums, but Jamie T had this hot theory about this man, this like this, this kind of like a, you know, yeah. he's more of a Pete Campbell cut, but from behind, he gives a profile of like the Don Draper sitting on the couch from the credit sequence and okay. that uh, Don going to hug this man was as close as you're going to get of Don hugging Dick Whitman yeah. or vice versa that you're mm. ever going to get. And I had a surreal experience of reading that exact same take on Reddit. I'm like, what the fuck? Someone ripped, and then I realized it was Jamie in a Reddit persona. And it's like, okay. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I I thought that was a really smart take on that. That this is literally an act of self-love. Like, oh yeah. This is a man I, I articulating all the things that he deep down thinks and which is ridiculous because Don's the most interesting fucking man in the world. And but, he's magnetic and people can't look away from him. But that's how but, he feels. Yeah, he doesn't recognize that. And he I doesn't think recognize that, the love that people are giving him. And also the look on his face when he says, no one cares that I'm gone. And I think Don looked had this realization that mm-hmm. I just talked to Peggy and she misses me and she wants me to come home. That's at least one thing that I've got that this guy doesn't have. Yeah. I think is another one of those crucial scenes to properly understanding what's going on in this episode. So you think at the end of this... Uh, I think this is the linchpin of the Don- whole episode, whether you think this is it cynical is. or optimist. Yeah. is, you know... If you think of like a 12-step program, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. I think Don did that in season four 
one of the last steps is to learn to accept and love yourself um, and to forgive yourself. Yeah. I feel like for the first time ever, Don, you know, he's gone through and he's apologized to everyone he's wronged, including Sally, including Megan, including Betty. He's made peace with us. Like you you can kind of see Mad Men as him working through in the last three seasons, the like the 12 step program or a similar type of thing. No, I think that's that's right on the money. Don, at least in this moment, has a very profound realization of himself. Uh, and I, I don't know. I always go back to how Don described love at the beginning of this series, which yeah. is basically something created by admin to sell nylons. Um, that is a man who doesn't recognize that love exists. And in this moment, he certainly does. He realizes that he's been getting love. He just hasn't recognized it and has been... Uh, ignoring it. Okay. All right. He's, 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 you know, and because of that, he's become the guy in the fridge who no one goes to and what's, for that love. What I thought was interesting is how when they zoomed out and they saw all these hippies standing around and everyone looks kind of variously smug and uncomfortable. I thought it was, I don't know why, but I thought it was interesting that this is the kind of thing that they're, I guess, trying to achieve, Right. But these like, kind of breakthroughs, yeah, yeah. But the leader of the group is just like very nonchalant about it, and a lot of the hippies that are there for this program are like, like I, I know the young girl especially was just like didn't know what to do with herself. She's mm-hmm. like, oh god, this is very uncomfortable and weird. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it seems like an uncomfortable, weird scenario. The hippie bullshit was turned upon themselves. Yeah, how do you like that? It's a black hole of hippie bullshit, gargantuan, if you will. Uh, we get some final goodbyes in this next montage i guess pete's amazing jfk lifestyle yeah man pete gets out of limo and right into a learjet not bad yeah well you know with with his perfect little family there there's always hope you know plane 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 crashes run into family <laughs> oh that kind of hope yeah sure the hope that it will it will end in destruction no the director we're gonna find out in the director's cut that 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 trudy and the daughter there was like a last minute hitch with their luggage and they had to get off the plane and, you know, Pete's got a tight deadline. So he had to go. That plane yeah, crashed. Yeah. Okay. Trudy's Trudy's the one she, she was following out. The, it mm. was fine. And she lived uh, happily ever after. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're giving, they're giving most of these people a very happy send off. Yeah. Um, hope the German up here is doing as well. <laughs> so Joan's running her business out of her home. We see that, and she looks very happy. Yep. The babysitter that was previously ruining her life is now running it. Yes. That was interesting. And uh, there is not a thought in her head about Richard. And the Holloway. And and the fact that you you got to have two names to make it official, and she's Uh using Holloway Harris. Perfect. Oh, so good. (laughs) Oh, so good. Uh, Don and – or sorry, not Don and Roger. Marie and Roger are at a cafe in France, and Roger orders food for them in France. It was in France? Yeah. It wasn't in Quebec? No. It's in France. Really? Okay. Yeah, apparently they went to Paris. I don't know. All right. That's, that's what I was reading in reviews, but ah. I don't know how you tell that. Okay. Because I, I, I at first assumed it was I Canada. assumed it was in French Canada. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well. But, uh, you know, him calling her mother, his mother, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's so cute. Yeah. And he's, he's learning the language. You know, all he got before was suitcase. Now he's getting a lot. Yep. He's figured it all out. Sally's doing dishes while her mother sits at the table, reads the paper and smokes. Uh, people giving Betty shit for smoking. Who cares? That's I, like you got six months to live. You got lung cancer. Smoke like a fucking chimney. I mean, Why not? Give her shit for smoking in the same room as her kids. Sure. 
give her give that? a dying woman shit for smoking go go fuck yourself yeah i forgot about the kids angle that's a fair point yeah you don't want you would think she wouldn't want her kids repeating her pattern there like if but... you've been successfully through some kind of surgery and you survived and you're still smoking then <laughs> sure then you can get a little judgy like someone's smoking through the tracheotomy scar or something like that okay <laughs> yeah. that's fucked up that's but the, if you're that's dying right there if you're dying <laughs> then smoke them if you got them man i agree uh, Peggy's typing, stands there rubbing her shoulders. So they're a happy couple in McCann, it, it, it appears. And we hope they stay that way for a long time. Um, I, I guess I don't want to necessarily talk about where we think all these characters are going to end up because, you know, Mad Men's trying to tell us that these people are happy in the moment. Yeah, even, even Betty's is, at peace. It is just now, but it might be in the future. And that's a good thing, you know? It might continue yeah. for them to be a happy place. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's the most optimistic way to end a story that is effic- effectively about living life. hmm You know? Uh, ultimately, everybody's life ends badly. They die. Yeah. But you could be happy. Life's, life's a terminal condition. Yeah. Um, and we saw here the Jones calendar shows November 1970. I wanted to note that. Uh, so know where we, where we end the series. And then we go to Dawn who has, I, I suppose, the most important character in Mad Men. He's meditating. He's doing his ohms when an idea hits Love him. Love the ohms. And a smile comes over him. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to one of the most famous commercials of all time, if not the most famous. Yeah, it's consensus number one. I, I think so. I mean, I, I wasn't alive when this thing came out, and Me I still either. know about it. I remember seeing a 35 millimeter. I was going through this box of 35 millimeter films uh, of, of my parents after they got divorced, and I stumbled upon <laughs> my entire side of my mom's family with all my aunts and uncles. They recreated this commercial for at some family reunion for Whoa. some kind of joke, <laughs> and it was because si- it's you know it didn't have sound with it, so it's just them huh. silently lip syncing this thing. Oh, and I don't know weird. if there's an audio to recording that goes like some kind of reel to reel or old cassette tape that goes with it that would but it was like a really surreal experience that sounds so strange yeah uh i can't i can't believe how shitty the overhead shot is in this commercial well like i mean yeah granted it's the 70s i don't know what the tech was like back then but six axis stability drones apparently not because it's real shitty and i (laughs) that's a rough overhead anyway so I want to first ask you, because I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about this scene. Mm. Let's establish some ground rules here. Okay. Can we agree that Don made the Coke ad? I think that Don did make the Coke ad. Okay. I don't I, I think you can our, conclusively prove that. I think there's a lot to hint at it. I think the bell going off at the very end, yeah. him smiling is... I mean, what more do you want? A light bulb over his head? Sure. I feel like that is the idea moment. Uh, McCann Erickson actually did produce that ad in real life. Yeah. Uh, That's evidence for, and it it was actually the fall of 71, so less than a year away. Yeah, and with all this stuff about coming home, Now, one person put as evidence for, against, and it was kind of meta and out of universe, but Matthew Weiner sometime in like season four said that he's never going to give Don Draper credit for an actual ad. However, Lucky Strike, It's Toasted, was a yeah. real-life ad that he did give credit for in the pilot. Yeah, so I, I don't, about that. I don't know that you can use that as a conclusive proof that it's not. Plus, 
It's the fucking finale, man. Now, and I, there isn't any hard, concrete evidence that Don created it. No, it doesn't actually give him credit for it. There is, there are, I mean, you could also see that this is him being truly happy. Mm-hmm. The real happiness in contrast like this is to a thematic thing, not the fake happiness yeah. that they're peddling uh, with Coca-Cola. Or you could say that Don came back to New York City and said about, told his experiences to Peggy, and this is a... Uh, you know, one emailer put it, this is the student becoming the master thing, and you're supposed to realize that this was hmm. Peggy and that, that that she wrote it. There's no no evidence to support that as yeah. well. There, The other primary thing that people took is that Don is not learning anything and that he is just going back to New York and becoming an admin and he's not going to be involved in his life meaningfully, meaningfully and he's going to be one of those guys that die yeah. given his pitch. So that's why... And I think that there's there's nothing that disproves that in this episode either. That's where I actually fall, and I think there's stuff to support that with you know Stan saying this is what he does. He goes out, he is the vampire of ad pitching, he takes in experiences from everyone around him, he forms them into ads, and he's considered a genius for that. Uh, this is what he does. He goes roaming. He comes home with an idea, which he pitches. And Don has never changed. And, and I, I think you have to, in order to accept that outcome, you have to believe that Don is only having a breakthrough in the moment when he goes up and hugs this guy. And that he will then basically forget that. That uh, that will not be a lasting effect on who Don is. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not going to hate anybody for having that a uh, point of view. But I'm saying, and I might be wrong because one of the things I want to do is go back and rewatch this whole series. But I thought that there was a lot of interesting things about what this guy was saying at the time that this is, you know, you, 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 you take the Jamie T interpretation of the Don hugging this, this refrigerator man as being him loving himself. You got this guy saying, this is a new day with new hope and new ideas and a new you Hmm. that, you got Don bemoaning the fact that he never did anything with this man's name. I think you can just as easily spin this as saying that this is the true epiphany, not just for the diet, not just for the coke angle, but for what he needs to love himself and to finally let Dick Whitman rest and become Don Draper. And I don't think that that I agree. Like Don's life as that, an admin certainly. is not the reason he was a shitty father. He's a the- shitty father because of all the childhood trauma that allowed that had this giant hole. That was, you know, he tried to fill all this love, but he didn't have any love for himself. He didn't have any self-respect. Yeah, I mean... And I, that's a definite change that happened in this episode. I don't think it's ever... Is it lasting, though? We've seen Don have sim- not not quite these profound moments. Exactly. But he's similar had moments. Where he's which he been, just spins into ads and then becomes Don Draper again. Um, before season four, I'll argue that there was never... Like, yes, he just did that and there was no change at all. Season yeah. four, he started to make changes. Uh, season five, he tried to act on those changes and failed. Season yeah. six was all about him owning his failures and making amends to the people that he hurt, and also being honest with ev- you know showing the world that Dick Whitman part of himself as Don Draper, even though it was self destructive. And season seven has been about the synthesis of all this that led up to this speech where this hippie's talk given sun salutations and it's a new day and new hope and new ideas and new you. I that's why I'm optimistic about it. But yeah, I I think you can obviously read it both ways. And I think um I was reading around on the forums uh at forums.baldmove.com if you want to participate. 
uh, Pavlov's Bell had an idea that, you know, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Going back to McCann, yes. creating this ad is not mutually exclusive with Don having true growth. Sure. And I think that's true. Um, I, I just take away a lot of the stuff that has been said about Don and his patterns uh, in previous seasons, and I say, I'm not sure that Don remains uh, as affected by that epiphany as we'd like him to. I think that is an entirely viable way to look at it. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the other one is, you know, kind of more meta where Don doesn't create this ad and this is more just there to reflect the peaceful uh, state that has come over him and his new understanding of himself. And I I think that's that's valid as well. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot to hint that he did make this ad. Yeah. Within, sure. within the show. So a lot of interpretations are possible here. And that's why I think... It's about the best ending you could have. I think it's interesting that it seems like the more cynical the interpretation an individual took, the less they liked the episode. Whereas I like, okay, I saw this as a very life affirming. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought it was, you know, I've done a lot of personal work myself, but I thought, you know, that thing at the at the end with him um, hugging the refrigerator guy was really powerful. And the things that they're talking about is things that, uh, you know, people struggle with all the time. Oh yeah. And I think especially sure. it's it's hard for men because um, culturally we're not supposed to do things like that. We're not supposed to bear our feelings and be vulnerable and then accept love from other men. Okay. Um, yeah. So I thought it was like really powerfully and personally moving and kind of life affirming for me. And I love this episode. If people saw this as another turn of the wheel. And that's the thing. Like I thought <laughs> – I came away bringing this back to the carousel, and I know a lot of people went to this well, but you think yeah. in terms of how a a a Kodak carousel uh, slideshow thing works. It's it's these big, large-in-life, glowing images of us at our best and our brightest, our, our, our personal highlights. Okay. Yeah, there's in, a snapshot of happiness In almost. between, everything fades to black. Uh-huh. And you ha- and then before another scene of glowing happiness and stuff takes its place, and you've got these alternating light and dark, light and dark. And then at the end, you know, so it's like, is that an eternal wheel, or is that at the end of the slideshow do the lights come up? And I, the way I looked at it as at, this is the end of Don's slideshow, and the you know the Coca Cola commercial is the lights coming up and telling us that it's going to be okay, okay, that he's okay. The fact that Roger tried to tell, I mean, there's a lot of that you're, you know, that's something that famous that Don was saying that like advertising is about telling people that you are okay. I I think at the very least he has grown from the place where he believes that love is a fabrication of admin. Like I, that in that way, it is optimistic to me. He now believes in actual love and he's willing to give it to this guy who needs it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we we have gone, Jesus, we have gone on throughout this episode. <laughs> hey, before we get to feedback, just wanted to tell you guys, uh, for perhaps the final time, if you're not going to come back uh, and enjoy the season wrap-up cast with us, about uh, how you can support us at baldmove.com, because we re- rely on your direct listener support to, to make ends meet and to continue to create the, the content that you love and enjoy. Uh, there's a couple ways to do that. One is club.baldmove.com. You can go there. It's a great way to eliminate ads from your podcast feed. Uh, you get to do, see us record the podcast in real time and watch some other fun uh, video features. Uh, you get access to some behind-the-scenes Bald Move stuff, a VIP forum, 
uh, a lot of other fun features. And best of all, it's only a buck a month if you, if, if, uh, uh, you support us at the, the highest level. And that's that's going to be a value that, that keeps on getting better. Jim has got some uh, new features in the works, and we're going to be doing some new forms of content this summer that we're excited about. So check out that. Also, uh, if you use Amazon, you can use our link at amazon.baldmove.com instead of the vanilla one, and it'll take you to the site, and anything that you order, we get a cut of for sending you in Jeff Bezos' direction. And it uh, adds up to a lot. So if you're a big fan of Amazon, you're a big fan of Bald Move, put those two great tastes together, amazon.baldmove.com. But again, I, I really... Thank you guys for listening over the years. Uh, we were gratified last week that we were the number one and two spot on <laughs> iTunes TV and film rankings. We've experienced so much success, and it's all due to your guys' liking us and rating us and reviewing us and contributing uh, to us and keeping us going. It's been so much fun. Uh, Mad Men's one of my favorite television shows, and it's one of my favorite. I think it's 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 also my favorite podcast to do too because it's the perfect blend of smart commentary from the fans, really funny stuff. It's like the show itself. So it's been really special uh, for me to to share this with all of you, and for you guys to share your thoughts and feelings. And we've gotten to talk to so many people from so many different light uh, walks of life. It's another thing I've really enjoyed. Um, but uh, if you feel the same way, we could really use your support at uh, club.baldmove.com and amazon.baldmove.com. Uh, feedback from Kevin B. He said, hey, guys, others have probably pointed this out, but I just remembered that in Season 7, Episode 2, A Day's Work, Sally and some school friends are going to the city to attend the funeral of a fellow student's mother. Sally says, I'd stay here until 1975 if it could get Betty in the ground. It's indicative of how we sometimes make often comments about someone dying, but with the <laughs> events of the last episode, this has become a much, much more real line. Yeah. Uh, Doubt she'd say that now. It's sure. not quite as funny. No. <laughs> um, but there, there, you know, there, there you go. I thought uh, that was good. A lot of people, a lot, so many callbacks to previous episodes. Uh, probably get more into this. Again, we're coming back next week for an extravaganza. So if you didn't, I mean, I got crushing amounts of email <laughs> For both Game of Thrones and Mad Men this week. So, um, and again, I can only read so much. Mm-hmm. But next week, it uh, should be a little bit easier because it's going to be all feedback all the time. Catherine says, Don says in seasons four, The Summer Man, people tell us who we are, but we ignore them because we want to be, we want them to be who we want them to be. The viewers have had all kinds of conspiracy theories about where Don might be going, but the reality is he isn't going to change, and we've known where he is headed all along, exactly where he's already <laughs> been. We just didn't want to accept it. We wanted there to be something more, but there isn't. Don will quote-unquote die in the middle of a pitch, like Roger suggested. He does this. He'll leave again, learn something, come back, hit another rock bottom, and do it all again and again until he actually dies. That's, okay, that's representative the of the taste, cynical view. Take for you, yeah. Jake from Tallahassee says, Some iffy moments for me in the finale, but I loved what they did with Joan. For most of the episode, she was joyous and exuberant. Mm-hmm. I initially thought it was because she got hooked on the coke, but I finally realized she's happy after leaving the ad life. No yeah. more sexist, hierarchical ladders for her to climb. What an incredible journey she has been through, and I'm glad she got a positive send-off. Agreed. Yeah, I was happy to see Joan happy. Joseph V. So, this is where we're supposed to speculate on whether Tony was whacked and got killed in the restaurant, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All joking aside, we I see... 
we as individuals would be having a lot of what the hell moments when they see an old Coke ad finalize their time and emotional investment on the show. I am one of those people. I'm sure I wasn't the only one looking at the clock and realized there was only 10 minutes left and Don is still at the Hilltide Cliffside commune, just having his breakdown by the payphone. Can I say that's one of the most annoying things about watching television? Watching the clock? Yes. Yeah. Like, I wish I, I had the it. ability. It's impossible. It's Why? impossible. Well, because number one, I'm watching on uh, my DVR has a clock. I'm watching Put this after the it. fact because I watched you know Game of Thrones and do the Game of Thrones coverage. You're fast forwarding through commercials. Yeah, that's I'm, right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch commercials like an asshole. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you see the timer every ten minutes. Yeah, but even yeah, it's like that's. I never watch. I never look at my clock on in a good movie in a theater. And it would be, it's just so annoying to realize that there's only 10 minutes left and I need to be looking. It's, ah, ah, it's the worst. Anyway, my ears were buzzing like Sally's last up were at last episode and I couldn't understand or comprehend what was unfolding before me. It takes time. In this case, about a six hour sleep to figure out for yourself. I'd like to believe that like Ginsburg's valve, Don has found a release in meditation and can get over his common trappings of booze, bad women and running away. I like to believe he leaves that commune, goes back to New York like he tells Peggy, takes care of his kids as best as he can given Betty's wishes, and is able to get himself back into McCann to finish out his contract and produce that Coke ad. I don't think a return to advertising cheapens the story. I think it sets Don into a better path. He could retire if he wants, but I'd rather see him being creative and raising his kids and mentoring them uh, to others than racing at Bonneville and being selfish. Yeah, I mean... That That's seems, a nice middle road email. A little bit of light, a little uh-huh. bit of dark. Yeah, you know, he's not going to go back and be a father to his kids necessarily, but yeah, he's going to go back and maybe have a little more love in his life from the people around him. I think it's interesting how little problem I had because, you know, I've been saying for two years now, I just want Don to be with his kids. I want Don to be a father to his kids. I yeah, want yeah. Don. And the fact that Wiener didn't give that to me and I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> I Here's mean, what you really want. No, I, I was like, yeah, yeah. I just went along with it. That's that's uh, that's some good good wienermanship. Evan S said, episode twelve of season two, the Mountain King has Don in another California walkabout. This time, he's spending time with Anna Draper. And in one scene, she does a tarot reading for Don. In the middle of the scene, Don randomly comments, "I can smell the ocean." Anna comments that she has drawn the world card in in a very important spot. When Don asks, what does it mean? Anna replies, it means the only thing keeping you from being happy is the belief that you are alone. Hmm. Don replies, what if that's true? Anna responds, you can change. And Don says, people don't change. This episode also features Betty Draper giving Sally some riding boots and says, if there's something you want, I want to give it to you. You'll be getting to, you're getting to be a big girl and someday you will want something from me and I won't be able to give it to you. Another thing from this episode, Don meets some guys who are fixing up hot rods and has a conversation about how he wants to see them race and how fast they can go. Oddly, it links this episode with the finale even more. So that's a, if you want to go back and take a look, it's uh season two, episode 12, the mountain King. Hmm. sounds like it has a lot of stuff. Yeah. That tie, ties into that. Um, especially that, the, the tarot thing with, uh, him being alone. So do you think that, I think that's more evidence of the positive ending that, Don knows he's not alone. He's seen a man that has the exact same existential problem as him, and he hugs yeah, him. Yeah, you might be right. Um, yeah. I mean, I like to think that there's there's hope for Don having true growth. 
Jake from Tallahassee says, as a 90s baby, the earliest Coke ads I'm aware of are the polar bear commercials. Huh. As you can imagine, I was lost when the final scene hinged on a Coke commercial from the 70s. I'm usually familiar with Mad Men's older pop culture references and song selections, but I had never had seen this Coke commercial. It's bugging me that they chose to use it as the final scene. Wow. How do you not see this commercial? How do you go through life and not see? Honestly, I don't think I would have seen it except for the guy, the the weird my parents recreating uh, it video. And the fact, I couldn't tell you where I saw it, but I know I've seen it. I watched many times. I know I saw it like back before we had awesome cable. We used to get stuck watching things called like the you know best commercials ever made, oh, like and there were Super Bowl commercials and all that stuff. And the number one spot, sure, was this commercial, and I remember it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That well, seems crazy to me. That didn't you haven't seen didn't this. Coke remake this like ten years ago? I thought they redid redid it. Maybe, maybe that's why I didn't remember the shitty overhead shot. <laughs> Could be. I just remember that one possible the the one girl when she started singing the it's the real th- her face was like impro- improbably broad. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about is the the end of the, the, uh, the similarity in looks between um, the girl at the desk. Oh, at sure. This, this retreat. Yeah. With and the, the girl in the commercial. In yeah. Yeah. Uh, lot, actually, there's a lot. That there's, says, there's a girl that looks like Stephanie. There's a couple of people in the background oh, that looks like the there's a that to me says Don made the commercial. You know, because yeah, because how would Peggy know all those details? Yeah. Don gave him to her. <laughs> Why would he describe? And so I need a person in this commercial who looks like this. Well, you know what? I mean, there's precedent for this with the Teddy. Uh, wait, not Teddy Rumsfield. It is. They, they got to wet his pants. Oh, Teddy oh. Rumson. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Teddy Rumson. Um, that Don was doing shadow work for, creative uh-huh. work for. So maybe, like I said, there's, there's, you can't dismiss out of hand that this is the think work Don's going to do shadow work through Peggy? I mean, I think that, I don't I, think Peggy I'm going to dismiss it. out of hand that this is Peggy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's Don. There you go. Okay. Uh, anyway, he says, apparently the commercial is a huge success, but also takes place 20 years before my existence. Instead of a ch- character moment, they ran a 40-year-old commercial that I wasn't familiar with because of age. Is that a legit criticism in your minds? For you, yes. I don't think so, because I think if the thing faded to black at Don's smile, you would have the exact same questions about what happens next. The Coke just gives a little bit more context to it. But it doesn't give any context to him. Well, but I'm saying it's not necessary. Like I said, I don't think it's necessary. It's extra context. No, if, it, if if you're saying is that a valid criticism, I think it is for you. But for the people who know what the commercial is, I think it hit it hit its mark. A Madman's a tough show, man. You got to be incredibly well read, incredibly well watched, Which and incredibly not, well versed yeah. in pop culture advertising apparently to properly enjoy it all. or spend hours doing research after every episode that too <laughs> or you possible. listen to our podcast it's a convenient convenient service yeah uh barry c where do you rank Mad Men in the hierarchy of golden age television for me it's just behind breaking bad and the wire it has the most con- it has to be the most consistent show i've ever seen there's never been a really bad episode in my opinion even at its worst it's compelling and interesting at the very least often so much more I want to have a l- much larger discussion yes. next week on our wrap-up cast. Yep, table that. But I will say, as a spoiler, I'm I the best show is different from a favorite show. I think Mad Men is okay. run away my favorite show ever. Put a pin in that. Okay. Pinned. 
Sean from Massachusetts says, I feel like I may be on an island here, and I was hoping for others feeling the same way in first watch. During a scene with the Refrigerator Man speech, I found myself closing my eyes as if I was watching some beautiful moment get wasted. I know in retrospect it fit in well and speaks to Don so deeply, but upon my first watch, I was annoyed at how the wiener was wasting these precious last moments of Mad Men with a story from a character I don't know. Could but have, it's not. It's a story from Don. Could he have brought Don to the realization in a place he has, uh, he was at with the characters we love and care about rather than with strangers in a foreign place? I feel like upon rewatching, I appreciate the scene more, but it was brutal to endure the first time around. And I'm hmm. interested to hear how you both felt. I felt a little bit of that antsy stuff when he started into it. But then like within 10, 15 seconds, I saw exactly what they were doing with this. Yeah, I mean, this is Don. And when Don got up and hugged him, I thought it was a Bravo performance. Yeah, I suppose when he launched into the into the speech that he gives, I guess I was getting a little antsy too, but they brought it around. Okay. Within a minute and a half, I was over that. So there you go, Sean. Gabriel L. says the finale revealed that we've been wa- what we've been watching all along is a story about a man who killed the 60s. The famous Coke ad that Don undoubtedly returns to New York to create represents the final commodification of 60s counterculture. It symbolizes the moment of the old guard appropriated and potentially the potentially revolutionary sentiments of the past decade and used them to shell, sell sugar water. This whole time we thought that Mad Men is about the old guard, Don, Roger, etc., struggling to adapt to a world rapidly changing around them. But this episode's final moments reinforce the idea that nothing ever changes, Don least of all. The man that Don hugs doesn't understand what love is and wishes people would choose him the way they choose objects in a refrigerator. Does Don feel guilty for giving so many people this commodified understanding of human relationships? No, he remembers that it's his job as an admin to sell people what love is and that love is Coca-Cola. That's a ballsy commercial, by the way. Sure. Like, it's a great yeah, commercial, I, but when you really break it upon it, it's it's fucking offensive. Uh, and that's a cynical take. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's, I, I don't it's, know well, if I'm just, that cynical. He's I, just getting warmed up. Oh, God. The guru emboldens him to embrace the new you. Both Dick and, and the 60s are as dead as Don's commanding officer. I'll admit <laughs> it seriously bums me out to realize that one of my favorite characters ever is basically the greatest villain in TV history, that the song from that Coke ad is going to depress the ever-living shit out of me whenever I hear from now on, <laughs> but what a fantastic ending to an amazing show. What so do you think? Can you bring yourself to read the finale as cynically as I am? No, I cannot. No. no but you're, you're not wrong. You're ascribing the misappropriation of the counterculture of the time to this this commercial? Yeah. Like, this is the moment where counterculture became irrele- irrelevant, that particular counterculture? Co-opted. Like, I think that's interesting. And, and by extension, irrelevant. Yeah, it's, if it's a tool of big corporations, it is now not think, counterculture. I don't, I don't think it's irrelevant. I think it's subverted. Like, it's a subvert. I mean, it's not. if it's irrelevant, it wouldn't be okay. useful in a commercial. But it's like, you know, it's like essentially... Like Ginsburg, this is another of the greatest hits. I saw Ginsburg screaming at uh, Cutler, like, you know, you're a suit and you're killing babies and doing this. And Cutler comes back with, well, you're cash and from Don Kimmel. And they had this big, it'd be like mm-hmm. ripping Ginsburg's brain out through his nipple and reprogramming him computer style to be a corporate suit. That's essentially what we saw the hippie movement undergoing in this Coke commercial. We are Is defanging, I, I don't have the we are defanging you of all of your dangerous revolutionary ideas, and we are using you to sell a product based on your the emotional 
appeal of your image. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what's happened to hackers, right? Uh, elaborate. Not to sell a product, but they have been demonized. The, the thing that, that the, the word has been misappropriated. Okay. What do you mean? Hackers are not evil supervillains who break into eh. banks to steal money. Sure. They are people who are curious about technology and want to find out how things work. Yeah. Uh, that has been misappropriated by the government in order to scare people with, with, uh, the word hacker and the idea of what a hacker is. Yeah. I've, what is it? I've read 2600 magazine. I understand it. There's a hacker and a cracker. I just never thought it was a much, I didn't think it was a very interesting distinction. It's much more interesting in the seventies. Okay. Than it is today. All right. Because it's been so misappropriated, but yeah, it's, it's a similar thing. I don't have the proper context to judge that though, because I don't know anything about that particular culture. Okay. In that particular time, I wasn't alive. I don't know how this changed it. Apparently, they're hippies, and there's a lot of bullshit. That's what I appreciated. From yeah, me. well, we know that. That comes with hippies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm qualified to judge that. <laughs> when Diane L. says, when Don says to her, you can put this behind you, it will be easier as you move forward. When he says this to Stephanie, seriously, I stood up with my bourbon. I, I like your style, Diana. Yep. And yelled, No! But another Peggy in the hospital, not another Peggy in the hospital room moment. I understand the survival tactic, Don, but just no. And then Stephanie replied, oh, Dick, I don't think you're right about that at all. Yes. Yes, Stephanie. I love this slight change, a slight growth, this bit of truth shining through to help Don open the door to achieving his inner peace. Matthew Weiner brought it full circle. So poignant, so powerful, and so satisfying. Going to miss these great moments in time. Let's hope for a Sally Draper spinoff that's as good as Better Call Saul. Oh, God, no. You want we don't need any Mad Men spinoffs. No, please. You say no to Peggy and Stan. <laughs> the only thing you could do is make it worse. The only thing you could do. That's You're going to put another seven years on the screen? That's a scary proposition to me. I would get I'd get down for Peggy and Stan. i get down for Sally Draper in college. To Peggy and Stan. I'd be down, I don't know, I'd be down for a, a, a Joan, especially, like, imagine a... Um, a dramedy with Joan and Peggy? No, no, I can't. All right, well, <laughs> fine. Some things Don't just need to come to me. an end, man. Don't dream with me. Uh, Dan, yeah, all good things come to an end. Mad Men is a beautiful wouldn't... thing. Just, just leave where it is. Yep, yep. Uh, what, what is that phrase? All good things must come to an end, mm-hmm. but or else they wouldn't, or something like that? Oh, I don't know by the last part. No, there's a phrase about, like, all... Yeah, everything everything good must come to an end or else it would never stop. Or I don't, I don't know. Fuck. Hmm. Shit. Shit. Let's move on. Uh, distract you with my stupidity with another brilliant email from listeners. Dan from Manchester said, in last week's episode, the old man in the motel rejected getting a new Coke machine because he liked the old one, and Don fixed it for him. In the finale, it's possible that Don did the exact opposite, rejecting fixing himself in favor of returning to his Don Draper persona. He also does this via Coke ad, so the symmetry is even better. Another cynical take on the the final message. And yeah, you got a lot of cynics in this I crowd. I can't say Don or, or Dan is wrong here. Sure. Elise K has some uh, historical information, which we're a little light on this this episode. I spent more mm-hmm. time just watching it and absorbing it than I did researching it. Uh, Elise said, I believe the retreat Stephanie and Don go to in Northern California is based on EST, the Erhard Seminars Training, or EST, and his organization fought... Fa- fa- Jesus is an organization founded by Werner H. Earnhardt 
offered a two-weekend or 60-hour course known officially as the EST Standard Training. The purpose of EST was to transform one's ability to experience living so that situations one had been trying to change or been putting up with clear up just in the process of life itself. The EST training was offered from late 71 to late uh, 1984. The training was attended by a wide cross-section of society from business professionals to academics, scientists, and celebrities. It's also featured prominently on the Americans. Yeah. Uh, at this end, when Don is meditating, he's most likely practicing transcendental meditation. This type of meditation is based on the Maharashi. It was popular in the 60s and 70s. I think he's smiling because he's finally at peace in the knowledge that he is alone. I believe that it's a quote from the pilot. We're born alone. We die alone. And his pitch to Lucky Strike. Happiness is freedom of fear. Dick is no longer fearful of being caught playing the role of Don Draper. Um... That's it. That's, That's it. how that email ends. I like it. It did. Uh, ends like it should have ended with a Coke commercial, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of comparisons, right, to those kind of self help groups. Um, I've seen another one about this this place called Scientology. Esalen. Esalen. It's up in Big Sur, California. And that's kind of exactly where it's situated. It's like over the ocean and like. Yeah, Trippel kind of used that of, terminology in her feedback too. So that's a that's a real thing. Yeah, and I guess like some of the reviewers were were going on about that too. So if it wasn't for her. I just assumed some bullshit you came up with, but no, it is verified, verified yeah. fact. I'm on their website, and it says on ancient ground, opening new horizons. As seen on Mad, does it say on as seen on Mad Men? Um, not then, not that I'm seeing. All right, I'm no. back to thinking it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Justin F. While it's not the best Mad Men episode ever, it'd be funny if people debated whether the ending of the Mad Men Happy Hour podcast was cynical or optimistic. <laughs> well, we'll just play a Coke commercial on our way out. There you go. Uh, monster truck commercial would be more appropriate. There you go. I While like it's that. not... Oh, sorry. I like that. Okay. While it's not the best Mad Men episode ever, and it's not the best season finale ever, it's our last glimpse into the lives of beloved characters and will be fondly remembered by me. I'm glad Pete got this happy ending because despite being a despicable person, he has grown and matured. Mm-hmm. I felt true or it felt true because in real life, terrible people don't always get their comeuppance and sometimes they get a second chance. I'm glad Roger found what makes him happy, a snarky, shit talking, take no nonsense woman who won't make who won't who won't take care of him, but with whom he can finally be himself. But most of all, I'm glad that the Peggy and Stan ship has officially sailed. God, who can say no to that lion's mane? I wish we'd have had more time with Betty and especially more time with Sally, but we've left them in a better place than I could have ever imagined, comfortable with each other and ready to face the future together as mother and daughter. I thought I hated Betty for years, and it wasn't until this last half season that I realized that I actually really like her. She is damaged, damaged, childish, petty, and vindictive. She's all these things because of the life thrust upon her. She was an Italian-speaking model who settled into the role of beautiful mother and homemaker only to discover that there was no fulfillment in being little more than a trophy, an accessory to Don's life that he pulls out when he wants to show off and puts away when he's bored. I can't imagine how horrible it must be to have your dream inverted into a nightmare and what that can do to one's psyche. Betty is a tragic and flawed figure, but stoic and stronger than we could possibly have guessed when we first met her. I I agree with that in a lot of ways. Shockingly, um, I do too. I The one thing I disagree with is that you loved Betty all along. Betty has changed. I don't think he did. He say that. Yeah, he well, he came to realize that he actually loved Betty. Um, 
I think that wasn't a realization of you've always loved Betty. It oh, was I don't a realization think of I, Betty has changed so much that I now love her. Okay, that's a fair yeah. point. That's a fair point. And I, I, you know, I, I turned to one eighty on her last episode. I mean, there's nothing like dying to cancer with yeah, dignity no. and grace to make you <laughs> make you like a person. Sure, and and step back and assess your life and those sorts of things. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I came around on Betty at the end too. So. All right, here's another depressing take. Mike C., I think the conclusion is sad and depressing for Don. He sank to rock bottom, lost pretty much everything, and seemed on the verge of ending it all during his call with Peggy. Mm -hmm. But then something happened to the refrigerator dude. He had a type of breakthrough, a realization, and a seemingly found enlightenment. I don't understand how, but Don somehow clawed his way back from a bottomless pit of despair. So he could start over doing the same thing again on a larger scale? I guess it's a fitting (laughs) end because it was a common refrain from Dick. That or Don, that he loves beginning of things. Peggy even told him, I know how you get sick of things. I can't help but feel sad for him, though, because I don't think there was any real enlightenment or understanding. The retreat and his new age experiences were just another tool that Don used to start over. By going back to McCann to make the Coke commercial, he's jumping back into a world that is created or based on creating false perceptions of reality and commoditizing feelings and emotion. That's why the ending with Coke is so meaningful. Coke's slogan may very well be it's the real thing, but there is nothing real about the Coke jingle. Including the ingredients. Oh, wait. The <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have cocaine in it. No. God it's damn it. misnomer at the best. Richard stole, took it all down to Key West with him. Like cigarettes in the beginning of the show, Coke is a classic example of a product no one needs that is made by companies willing to spend huge amounts of money to convince people otherwise. That takes real talent and creativity. And who better than the new and improved Don Draper to con- convince everyone to drink Coke by try- tying sugar water to love, happiness, acceptance, and harmony? Yeah, that's kind of how I read it. Dude, My, I need Coke because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> and that's, this this empire flows on, uh, on alcohol and, and also caffeine. caffeine. Those yeah. are the two pillars of the Bald Move empire and listener support. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm I'm pretty much on board with that take. Like I definitely have a more skeptical take than you. I think that's a solid argument um as far as like the commoditizing of love, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh Eric Walquist, our buddy from the oh, hey. the defunct personal arrogance uh podcast that we destroyed in open <laughs> podcast combat. We, yeah, we really did crush them. We co opted them and mm-hmm. destroyed them from within. So uh yep. there's your depressing cynical take. <laughs> anyway, Eric says, I found the final scene in the seminar very poignant. The message from the square dude in the sweater was incredibly moving, not only because it completely embodied what Don is feeling, but because I think it paints a vibrant picture of how a lot of people feel today. At least I feel that way sometimes, constantly seeking some kind of approval that I can't even identify. And when we find artificial ways to fill that void, like substances, sports, getting likes on Facebook, and this digital world where everyone is at your fingertips, everything and everyone is at your fingertips, many times it feels even lonelier than ever. In fact, the Square's message was so spot on with Don that it spawned the fan theory in my own brain. My wife was taken aback when she saw Don hugging another man and crying. In retrospect, it did seem a touch out of character even at that emotional time that got me thinking about the square dude and how it might actually have been Don or, or Dick at least in an out of body experience. The moment where he got up and hugged the man was the moment that Don was able to forgive himself for everything he had done and learn to love himself so that he could allow other people to love him. Then he went and sold sugar water to children. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is that skeptical or not? Man, he well, twisted it up there at the end. <laughs> it's the personal arrogance way. That's true. So, 
I actually think that's kind of cool because there was this thing where the female therapist kind of looked at him expectantly and he kind of, I felt like, was on the verge of getting up and opening up and then the man started speaking. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm not saying there's any evidence, although who knows in the months and years to come this how how well this thing will be dissected and all that stuff. I yeah. mean, there'll be a 15-minute YouTube video that solves all this stuff. Yeah, 50-page blog article. But for fan, you know, headcanon, that's not bad. That that literally was Don, a, a Dick Whitman, like a shriveled Dick Whitman version of Don, and that he literally engaged in self-love, not in the sense of the word, oh, but in the, That's you know, self-abuse. Self, it's Aaron. true. That's true. Uh, yeah. The self-abuse no, feel I, honest? <laughs> does while I'm doing it. <laughs> then it feels shameful and gross, and you can't shut that tab fast enough. <laughs> what did I just get off to? Oh my god! Uh, this week has we been surprisingly about? a lot of Don hugging other dudes. Honestly, it's been getting it done for me. All right, what? Uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, no, I, I mean that's kind of along the lines of what I said earlier. You know, with him being that that man being Don, but I guess if if he's Dick Whitman, then uh, that's a proto Don. It's a a version of Don that maybe could accept some love, maybe needs the love more. Mm. All right, uh, Dan from London. We got two more takes. Uh, Dan from London says. Firstly, I hated it. Then I was kind of indifferent. And at the moment, I think I really liked it, referring to the season. Don has spent the last part of the season shedding his Donness and returning to be Dick. Each episode, he moved closer to Dick. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You know, wait. I've been able Don't to break it, the Dick penis barrier, but somehow mm-hmm. the homoeroticism of my last comment is, is, is connected it. And now, shame on you. Loving Dick and moving closer to Dick is got me giggling. God damn it. For shame. All right. I'm trying to find my center. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. Um, all right. Don has spent the last part of the season shedding his Donis and returning to Dick. Each episode, he moved closer to Dick, but there's clearly an ongoing internal struggle between the two. For me, the commune in California is a substitute for the car crushing site in Superman 3, where good and bad Superman battle it out for supremacy. Ah. And who better to oversee this battle than Supergirl herself? Did you know the female therapist played Supergirl in the really shitty ha, 1980s no. ad- adaptation called Supergirl? I had no idea. It's bad. It's really bad. I, that's one I of feel my, like I've seen that, but I don't like remember. Like the Star Wars holiday special and that piece of shit was one of my like first mm. memories of being bitterly disappointed in something. Perfect. Uh, Dick is the fridge man. Don mm-hmm. is the man who helps fridge man feel better about themselves and he sells them Coke on the back of it. With Don having won the Ooh. battle of survival, you can only or you only have to see him sit on the hilltop to know who is the victor. The red or the white shirt and the clean shaven face give it away. Don Draper's back. The chime represents an almost cartoon like idea going off in his head, and where the yep. smile at the end of the penultimate episode was a Dick Whitman smile, our final look in the smile of the man before us after this person to person battle is most certainly Don Draper's. Hmm. Evil Superman won, man. Yeah, I tend to agree. All right, well. Again, you're not wrong, except for in the way that's inside my head. But okay, in other ways, it's it's a completely defensible argument. Uh, Lisa LL Trippel, our senior black correspondent. Um, maybe the final email. Maybe signing off for the final time. We'll see. We'll see. We got a wrap up cast. The finale was not bad, but definitely was not worthy of the seven seasons that preceded it. I don't have a problem huh. with what happened. I have a problem with how it was executed. Firstly, the Don. I think the key to Don's dysfunction was in season two, The Mountain King. Another Mountain King reference. 
Uh, we talked about this. The only thing from keeping you from being happy is the belief that you are alone. After retreat, Don hears Leonard's story of being unable to recognize and receive love, realizes he's not alone, and finally finds happiness as a result. When I watched the hug between Leonard and Don, I kind of cringed because it seemed false. John Hamm and Evan Arnold playing Leonard were excellent, so it wasn't the acting. The problem was in the writing. Springing new characters and new age mumbo jumble on us in the finale episode and then having someone we've never seen before articulates Don's deepest fear within 10 minutes, left the series disconnected uh, me from the Don that I've spent seven seasons watching. How powerful would it have been for Don to have had his, uh, S- did you call it Esalen? I, I think so, yeah. That his Esalen retreat realization from something Peggy said. Very. Speaking of Peggy, I love Peggy. Mm-hmm. I love Stan. I love Peggy and Stan. I cheered the rom com way. They realized they loved each other. But just didn't feel like Mad Men. I would have rather had the wiener show us Peggy and Stan realizing they were in love rather than having us tell us that they were in love. Uh, I felt like they did realize it while they were on the phone. Um, yeah. I mean, I see what she's saying, though. That was... A very fine line to walk that the wiener just blew me away with a fire hose of Peggy Stan love. Yeah. What, what was yeah. I to do? What was I to do, Walter? Sure. Uh, to the other point, though, about this refrigerator guy, uh, I I think she might be right. Um, having a complete stranger identify the, the problems with Don and having Don recognize them in a complete stranger may not have been quite as poignant as if really you don't think this is else... like a maybe this says more about me than refrigerator man but don't you think that's a universal that's the whole point like it's everyone showing you that everyone like, feels like that not everyone just that is above average a level of intelligence feels like they're a fuck up from time to time and they're they're worthless and they've messed it up that's like yeah. to me i see so many highly functioning people brought down by their own sense of perfectionism and shame over bullshit. Hmm. And it's a, it's a a continual downward spiral. And that's, that's epitomizes Don where if you can just get, that's kind of what I said about the whole, you know, going back to Jesse and breaking bad and his experience in group therapy. It's like, sometimes you have to get over a lot, but if you can get over that and love yourself and forgive yourself, then you can reset and be back to, you know, so you just don't highly functioning. You don't think it has the same effect if someone he knows says it because he doesn't identify with that concept of everyone feeling like this or, or see, he, people, does, he doesn't see it outside of his own experience at that point. Or here's why? what I would say. People that know Don Draper see this magnificently impressive person. Yeah. And their first instinct when he tells them he has a problem is to deny it has an exi- exist. Look at Peggy. Mm-hmm. That's not true. What did you do that was so bad? Whereas this stranger can just say what he's feeling in his heart and connect in a way because he's not trying to tell Don Draper he's okay. He's trying to say, I feel really fucked up. And sometimes, I mean, that's the whole point of group therapy. I think... Half of more than half of group therapy is for you to be there and hear people more fucked up than you and think, What if you're I'm the not, most fucked up person in the room? <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. The dark side of that is there may be, but it's also in your point of view, like what your hell might be another man's paradise, sure, you know? Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, uh, you know, maybe I often wonder, like, the therapists okay. don't engineer the rosters of support groups. I mean, I yeah, know there's yeah, some yeah. like you just kind of take whoever comes off the street, but there's others that it's more structured. And I wonder right, if I mean, they don't. That's not a bad point. Yeah. Uh, he just he just might not have accepted it coming from 
someone else may not have been able to give him the advice or the story. Uh, yeah, he most needed. people just blow Don off. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're so rich and you're fantastically good looking, and you lay beautiful women, and you have this interesting career, and you can do whatever you want. They see all the good things about Don. They don't see any of the negative. Oh, that's bad what Mathis things. says, you know, a few episodes ago. Yeah, exactly. Mathis comes in when he gets fired and is like, oh, poor Don, poor Don. He's he's handsome and rich and yeah, charismatic. Yeah, uh, you might be right. Yeah, no, rich, attractive, white, straight guys get really crushingly depressed too. <laughs> Even when sure, you're at the top of happens. the pile, like, yeah. but everybody else is like, boo, fucking who? Yeah, I don't know. I something it felt very genuine for that moment to come from a stranger from me. Sure, nobody, nobody cares that Donald Trump gets depressed about his his hair. Well, Donald right? Trump's a total fucking asshole too. <laughs> With zero class, zero exactly, style. Exactly my point. <laughs> exactly. Jump off a cliff, Donald. Please. All right. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to give us feedback for our spectacular, which I... I'm, I, 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 I... Hmm. You're billing this pretty highly. Well, no. It's just our, it's our regular shtick that we do. Okay. Uh, that's kind of what I do. But also... I've got this this wild idea that you've kind of signed off on that I want to rewatch an episode of Mad Men once per month over the next. <laughs> no, no, no! You want to rewatch a season? Oh yes, of Mad sorry, Men a whole season month. Ap- month for month. Ages. It's going to wrap us up around Christmas time, uh-huh. and like you know, even the seasons that we've covered, and instead of you know, because a lot of people are like, hey, can you do the ba- Breaking Bad treatment and do an episode? I don't think we're ever going to do that. So much back There's catalog. So much back catalog. Um, and just with the nature of what we're doing with the current stuff, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I personally like Mad Men enough that I want to do this kind of like season and try to especially mine the nuggets that seem to be relevant in retrospect Mm -hmm. and chart the important moments. And were we too hard on Pete? Were we too hard on, on, uh, 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 Betty is Peggy secretly a worse person than we think? Like I want to explore some of those issues and spend an hour or so talking about each season, um, I will definitely, uh, you know, come up with a release schedule in advance, but that's kind of something I want to flesh out and, and maybe have a little bit more concrete plans on for the extravaganza. But I'd like to hear your th- thoughts about where it stacks up for you personally in the golden age of television. I'd like to hear favorite episodes, favorite characters, favorite moments, like all the, the just let's just get nostalgia retrospect, man, from the Greek word yeah. meaning anal pain. <laughs> Uh, let's all get nostalgic <laughs> together and not certain that that's true, but I'm not certain it's not. So. There you go. You got no proof either way. No. Are you cynical or are you an optimist? <laughs> so we, we want to get nostalgic. We want to ride the carousel one more time. That's next week. And then I'll have to uh, talk about plans for our, uh, season by season coverage. So I think that's a good place to leave the feed. You have a nice retrospective of all seven seasons Yeah, and you know, it, it it's going to give people, that find Mad Men and our podcast in the future a nice little place to land. I think so. All right. Any last words before we sign off? No. I mean, we'll be back next week, of course, with the wrap-up. Mad Men at baldmove.com if you got the thoughts. Forums.baldmove.com if you want to discuss it with me or Jim and your fellow fans. Keep up with our releases on Facebook.com slash baldmove and on Twitter at baldmove. All of that. Baldmove.com, as always. Yep. And we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Thank you.